Hey everybody, and welcome back to the 10th episode of Split Screen Media, where this week we're going to be doing a very special holiday episode. Uh, we got all the all the regulars with us here. We got the host, Chris Blankenship. How you doing, bud? Good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. I'm doing well. Uh, and our recurring guest for the th third time? Third appearance. Third appearance, Mr. Yes. Joey Burt. How you doing, bud? Good, good. I am uh I'm having a good holiday. Hope you guys are too. Very excited to be on tonight. Yeah, this uh very Merry Christmas or happy holidays to everybody out there. Uh, we really appreciate you guys sticking with us for ten whole episodes, which seems absolutely insane. Um And if yeah, you haven't really... been if you haven't been with us for ten episodes, go watch the ones you missed. Yeah. And welcome. If this is your first episode, welcome. We don't usually dress like this, but today <laughs> is special. Um so we got a lot of things to discuss today. We're gonna be talking a little bit about Mandalorian season two what we thought we're going to get into some viewer questions I got a whole list right here so we're going to get into those a little bit and uh yeah it's going to be a fun time and stay tuned because there's going to be kind of a you know surprise ending slash drawing if you guys missed last week's episode so uh we're gonna maybe be giving away some stuff but uh but yeah let's get right into it so Mando season two <laughs> um I think we all have a lot of thoughts. Um, for me, a lot of positive, but also a lot of negative. Uh, but you know what? Before we get into all that, I want to know what you guys think. Give me like, maybe not, maybe not a scored review, but you know, generally what were your guys' thoughts? This is uh, spoiler free for everybody listening. Yes. So we're going to be spoiler free for our general thoughts and maybe a couple minutes after that. And then we'll let you guys know. And then if you guys don't want to hear the spoilers, you can either stop watching or you can click ahead to the, the Q&A bit. And everything after this where we, you know, we won't say anything else about Mandalorian. So what do you guys think? I think uh, a lot of positives, more than negatives. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd probably rate it 8 or 9 out of 10. Wow. That's, that's pretty high. <laughs> that is pretty high. That's, that's quite, quite the high praise there. Uh, Joey, I'm thinking yours might be a little lower. Um, yeah, so like I don't want to give it a number review, um, but I will say I had a lot of fun with the season in uh, general. Um, the pros definitely outweigh the cons for me. Uh, I really enjoyed um, a few like key moments in this season, and um, I'll get into those a little bit later. Um, yeah, overall, uh, this was a much better season um, than the first one, in my opinion. And if this is the kind of direction that, um, I guess generally speaking, Disney wants to take Star Wars, I am here for it. Okay. I think, I think then I might have the most negative viewpoint <laughs> on this season. Um, I'll say this. It, before, I, before I tear this thing to shreds, <laughs> um, no, I, I have a few complaints. But I, I definitely think this is the best thing going on in the Star Wars universe right now, this TV show. Um, and I'm hoping that these other spinoffs are equally as good in terms of bringing Star Wars a little bit back down to earth, so to speak. Um, but in terms of this season, I, I think this season was just a little bit better than season one. And I said this to you, Chris, but I don't necessarily think that was a compliment. Um, or at least not wholly a compliment. I was really hoping for this season to be so much better than the first one that they would, you know, learn from a lot of the mistakes that they made in season one. Um, a lot of the the filler episodes or, um, you know, some characterization or 
just the the overwhelming amount of unneeded fan service, which um not to spoil anything, but runs even more rampant, I think, in this season. And yeah, I if I had to give it a score, it would probably be like maybe a seven, seven out of ten, which for me is you know, pretty good. Cause I, I don't think of it as like a five being bad. I think of it as like a five being average. So for me, a seven is like good, you know, that's a good score, but I know a lot of people would be upset by that. That's how you're supposed to rank it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five is an average and it's supposed to have a normal distribution. Yeah, absolutely. Cause people are like, Oh, if it gets anything less than an eight, it's garbage. I'm like, do you realize how good an eight is? Like an eight is an incredible score, but you know, I guess we'll save our rankings, <laughs> ranking debate for another time. But um, what, what do you guys think about the amount of fan service in this show? It can be season one and season two, but like, do you like it or do you wish like maybe it would go kind of do it more of its own thing? Yeah. So this is one thing that uh, I have as kind of a pro in my section, um, honestly. Um, so with the context of um, – the movies that have come out lately, the sequel trilogy. Uh, Star Wars fans need a break. <laughs> um, I, and, you know, I have a very negative opinion of the sequel movies. Um, I'm not going to hide that at all. Um, but I do think it's it's pretty matter of fact to say that this past trilogy had a lot of problems. Um, and to say that, you know, they were not received entirely well. Um, and, you know, with the context of the prequels and stuff, they also weren't received well at the time, but um, I'll still focus on this sequel trilogy. Um, I think this was a breath of fresh air. Um, and even seeing, I guess going back to the question, even seeing, um, you know, these reappearances, it can seem like fan, not um, fan fiction, the, um, like, uh, just fan service. Um, I didn't really see it as getting in the way of me enjoying the show, though. Um, it, you know, obviously it's kind of a cheap, like, nostalgic grab, but um, I think overall it just really worked to improve my experience watching the show. I agree. I uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but I think I was really excited for some of the, the fan service that they had in the show. Um, you know, it didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, of course they went there with it. You know, I didn't have those thoughts. Yeah, I, I think my, my idea of fan service is probably different from maybe like most star wars fans version of fan service at least that they want to see i get interested in the stuff um i i think i can say this without spoiling anything there's an there's a moment where mando goes to a new planet which is i know every episode but there's one in particular he goes to it's kind of this like earthy mossy there's fog everywhere type planet and in the distance you see these like these crazy tall two-armed creatures and I'm like, oh, what is that? And like, I want to know, like that to me is cool world building. And that's the kind of stuff I want to see. I want to see like the good character development. I want to see new things in Star Wars that I haven't seen before, which love it or hate them, that's exactly what the, pre the prequels are. It's all new ideas. It's all new concepts, whether or not they're executed, you know, <laughs> that's a little up in the air, but that's the kind of stuff I want to see. And more often than not, it was like, Hey, everybody, here's this person. You remember this person or you remember this planet or this thing. And at a certain point it's like, yeah, I'm a star Wars fan. I know all of these things. I, I don't necessarily need to see them again to get excitement. What excites me is interesting stories. Yep. That's and true. I'll, I'll definitely um, ditto that. Um, I wanted to see a lot of strong character development in this season. 
I, uh, like you, I didn't want to see a lot of filler episodes. Um, and my one of my biggest complaints was from the first season that there wasn't really a central tie-in or central plot. And they they worked on it in this season, I'll say. I won't say they fully got there, but they worked on it. Um, I do appreciate the effort in that. And uh, I can only hope that, you know, with season three that they kind of um, – they kind of evolve the writing and direction of the show a little more. Because we should say this too, the plot of every episode is the same plot of every other episode. I was going to say, it was very formulaic with this season, and I hope that is not the case going forward. Yeah, it was It was Mando. <laughs> we can lay it out too for people like us who haven't seen it. It's Mando has some kind of ship problem. He arrives on a new planet. He needs something from someone. They need something from him first. He does a job. Job goes wrong. Teaser for next episode credits. That is yeah. every Not episode. John Favreau. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's another. There's another thing, but I'll wait for the uh, the spoilers section to to say that I can add one more thing to that. But right, right. I, I do want to say this too. Um, going just to add to my positives, the music in this show is awesome. Yes. It is yeah. so good. Luba yes. Gordonson is one of the most is you know currently one of the most talented composers working in Hollywood right now. He did. Tenet, Black Panther, this, um, you know, basically everything he touches has been awesome. And I can't wait to see what he does next. Did he do this um, soundtrack for Rogue One? He did not. That was Michael Giacchino, who also okay, did a great job. Right. Yeah. He, but yeah. I think the two of them did a great job for very different reasons. Because Michael Giacchino did a really good job of copying John Williams mm-hmm. in a good way. Like, he made it sound like a Star Wars movie. Whereas... Ludwig Gorenson didn't do that at all. He was like, I'm going to make a straight up Western, but Completely. also have this kind of like, like heavy percussion trap beat underneath it, which he's yeah. you know really good at in all of his work, especially Black Panther. Um, but that I think is one of the best parts of this show by far. Connor, have you ever seen the, the video about finding the sound for the Mandalorian? Have you seen that video? I have where he's playing like the big ass flute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> yeah, a good video. Good. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Anyone, anyone who hasn't seen that should check it out. Yeah, he's a super talented guy. But that was just one of the other things I wanted to mention. Um, I actually, I think it would be worth going through maybe just each one of these episodes and our feelings on them. Um, so I think we can officially say spoilers from here on out. Um, if you haven't seen the show, don't watch this. If you don't care, then I guess just keep watching. I don't know. We're going to summarize, basically. We're going to give a, a little description of each episode and then uh, give our general feelings. So we'll start at episode one. Sweet, sweet episode one. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to your formula for every episode. Baby Yoda has to eat something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Or, or stare or hungrily. Or play with a little ball on the, on the ship. Yeah. yeah. Baby Yoda does something cute is just written in the script. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about this first episode because holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's uh, one of my top three, I think. Maybe top two. For me, it's it's the best thing I've seen in Star Wars since Rogue One. Um, it was everything I want to see in Star Wars, and it's exactly what I was talking about with the world building. So basically, Mando has to go back to Tatooine, and he, <laughs> he has to go to a planet to get help. <laughs> Someone needs his help. But he finds uh, Cobb Vanth, who's wearing Boba Fett's armor, and he, and he says that he will give him back the armor as long as he helps him defeat this crate dragon thing, which is a giant monster creature that's terrorizing his town and he basically has to go fight it fight ensues uh blah 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 but 
the directing in this episode is absolutely insane. Um, when they're fighting the crate dragon and they switch to IMAX cameras and it looks like, I don't even know how they shot that. It looks real. It was fantastic. Yeah, it really was. So like my favorite part about this episode, um, there was a good amount of development and a lot of buildup. Um, and Timothy Oliphant did a fantastic job. Um, I honestly wish we had more of him in this show because um, he's such a good actor. Uh, but the buildup of this episode, just leading up to that final fight, um, topping it off with uh, the appearance of Boba Fett at the end, I think really sealed it with like just, holy shit, this is a great episode. Um, I went and rewatched it like twice. It was so good. Um, it, it's the longest one too. It's like 55 minutes. It feels yeah. like it's 20. It blow, yeah. You blow through it because it's so entertaining. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it did a really good job of humanizing the Tuscans. And also because they had to work together. And then uh, it also had a little bit of comedy with the, uh, instead of going after the, uh, the Bantha, it goes after the Tuscan guy when he's <laughs> yeah. leaving it to the cage. I wasn't yeah. expecting that. I was, I was pretty surprised by that. It was nice. That's a lot uh, of the dry humor in this show that really works. Like when Mando, when Mando right after that, he's like, I think we need to rethink our strategy or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> also, yeah. um, you guys may have forgotten about this, but the very first like five minutes of this episode where he's um, in that fighting ring trying to track down the other Mandalorian, right? There's that sick like action fight they have, um, but the choreography is great. And Mando has this one move where someone's about to punch him and he leans into it with his helmet and he just like gets knocked back. I, I just love that. Yeah, that, that whole opening was fantastic and really led for like, me expecting a lot from this episode and it still blew all of my expectations out of the water. Um, but the will, the world building thing that I, I was talking about is I think best exemplified here, Chris, you brought it up. Um, but the Tuscan Raiders and they, and they mentioned this in season one too, a little bit, but the fact that they're not just like these crazy savage creatures, but that they're deaf. And the only way that the reason that they attack people is because they can't communicate with them. And then, people get afraid because of how they look and then they, you know, they slaughter all these villages and stuff. But Mando comes in and is able to reason with them by using, you know, sign language. And I just thought that was such an interesting idea to add to those, you know, pretty two dimensional characters, but like they do so much with them here. And uh, God damn, every, every second of this episode I thought was fantastic. I really have no complaints whatsoever. Um, yeah. I think um, this may be a little nitpicky. You guys can tell me what you think. But, um, and maybe I just missed it, but do they explain why um, Boba Fett did not go and get the armor back himself? Did he just not know it was there? Because I think he um, he saw Mando was like leaving the town. So like, why did he not go in and just take the armor back? Yeah, my my only assumption is that, yeah, he just didn't know it was there because Cobb Vanth has been kind of keeping it low key with the armor. Like he, you know, obviously got all the people out of there and, uh, you know, he, he killed all the guys with a missile and everything in that one scene, but then he just sort of protects the town and it's, um, most, most something. I don't remember the name of it. It was like most Isley, but it was called like most something else. Most, Pel most Pelgo. Yeah. Um, but then I think he just, you know, again, keeps it kind of low key. And the only reason that he knows is because there was like that crazy fight with the crate dragon and then he sees Mando take away the armor. It's a you could. It's a little bit ham-fisted, but you know that's yeah. kind of the excuse I made. I'm, I'm willing to forgive that entirely. Um, <laughs> yeah. The only other thing is it's a little. 
don't know, it's just a little odd to me that um, he just kind of happened to find the armor and bought it off of some Jawas. Like, what happened to Boba Fett after, you know, the Sarlacc pit? Um, there's a lot of, like, holes there. And maybe the the show is going to explain that, um, the book of Boba Fett. Um, I don't know, but that'd be really cool. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say there are holes. I think it just needs fleshed out more. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. There are definitely holes that can be filled in, though. It's not like yeah. something that you cannot, you can't go back and like retroactively right. change shit. Um, right. So for now, there are holes. I think that's definitely fair. But uh, all right. Well, I think we said we've praised this episode enough. Let's talk about the dumpster fire that is episode two. Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't like this episode at all. Yeah, this is, this is one of the more forgettable ones for me yeah <laughs> it's not terrible it just came after something so great and you're like man i cannot wait for episode two and you're like really this is it so i think for me um this is a complaint i'll bring up later um in later episodes but i feel like the stakes um in this show are never really that high like mandalorian has this insane armor nothing can get through um Baby Yoda has the Force. They're pretty well equipped, right? Um, for some reason in this episode, I think it's because of the uh, just the eggs themselves and this um, this uh, this lizard woman or frog woman. Frog lady. Um, yeah, just the fact that she's kind of defenseless. I feel like the stakes were a lot higher in this episode, which made it a lot more interesting for me, at least. I maybe I, I had the feeling when I was watching it. She could die, and I would not care. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> he could get back um, to doing what he needs to do. <laughs> I do think it was really cool how they were kind of forced back into the um, the uh, the pilot room, whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. um, just the yeah, the cockpit. Just by the overwhelming amount of spiders that were like rushing in to their ship. The spiders, I actually thought were cool. I just think the idea of him having to take this woman there because she kind of knows something about where he's supposed to be going. It just, I don't know. I, and the, like them, the eggs going into light speed with them dying doesn't make any sense at all. Like when you're in the ship, you're protected from hyperspace. Like I don't under, even know how that would kill the eggs, but. I want to, I want to reiterate. I understand why she can't die. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't feel anything for her. No, you just don't care. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it did feel a little bit meaningless to me. And it's just kind of like another, um, vehicle to get the plot moving like all right you gotta get to this planet but we have to fill in time you know and it, the show keeps doing that and i'm not a fan of it um yeah like it's it's frustrating because um there's an episode i want to talk about um i think episode four um where it's basically you cannot have this episode and you can just be fine not seeing it right yeah i do no. i do like the way it was kind of shot with the spiders. It was almost like horror movie-esque. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah sure. it was, it, I, I, That was, to, for me, definitely the best part of the episode. Because, again, it's new things. that I, You've never seen, like, ice space spiders in Star Wars before. So that's always fun to kind of get new, new creatures and stuff. Um, the last thing I want to bring up about this episode, the guys in the X-Wing were noticeably horrible at acting. Like they were just really bad actors. <laughs> we see but, um, them. We see them later, and it's the same thing. Yeah, I'll have to go back and rewatch that because I didn't pick up anything. I was being necessarily bad. 
they were like you there what are you doing like <laughs> i think they were trying to to have like kind of, it was like obviously like a cop chase kind of thing but yeah like they're more stern in yeah. their um you know inflections and stuff yeah yeah definitely um all right yeah well i guess we can move on to episode three which i definitely think is better than that one <laughs> which i could say about any of the episodes moving forward pretty much um this one I thought I actually enjoyed a lot. I think there's a lot of cool um, locations. Um, like when he goes to, like he's, he basically lands on a um, Mon Calamari-esque planet. And, you know, there's like, it's it's gross and there's like fish guts and crates and it's on a dock. And like it's, it's kind of nasty. Um, and I like that. This is also the first episode of Bo-Katan, who I guess is in Clone Wars. Joey, do you have more backstory on her, I guess? Yeah, um, without trying to really get into spoilers there, um, and uh, just talking about, I guess, the rest of the show, um, at one point she has the Darksaber. Um, it's given to her um, by someone. <clears throat> it is given to her. She does not take it. I'll point that out because that's important later. But um, she loses it, uh, I'm assuming, to um, Moff Gideon. But yeah, um, she is a uh, part of this, um, I guess, last uh, group that is truly loyal to Mandalore, like the planet, and the, um, I guess, the old traditional form of government there. Okay. So she, yeah, and, and she um, brings up an interesting thing with uh, the Mandalorian, which I didn't know, which, because in the last season, the, at the end, they say the Mandalorian isn't a race, it's a creed. And they talk about how you can't take off your helmet and there's blah, blah, this, blah, blah, blah. And apparently that conflicts with a lot of stuff in Clone Wars. So they had to rewrite it where Mando is just part of like a religious, a religious group of zealots. He's sort of like the, the far right conservative of, <laughs> of the Mandalorian. He's the, he's the proud boys of the Mandalorian. <laughs> he's the proud boys of the Mandalorian. <laughs> Which isn't too far off, but. No, but he's not allowed to, unlike them, he's not allowed to take off his mask. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, um, to kind of explain that a little, um, I guess um, Mandalore, as of and I know we're like way derailed now, but like Mandalore, as of you know Clone Wars era um, or prequels era, um, is more of an evolved society, and they still have their like respect for tradition and you know Mandalorian strength, um, but they've deviated a lot. So when you see like their armor and stuff, it's not pure Beskar. It's um, mixed with different minerals and stuff, so it's less resistant to like blaster fire, um, lightsabers, and all that stuff. Um, that's just one example of how they've kind of lost their tradition. But it's very important to you know Boba Fett, um, the Mandalorian, that their armor has been handed down to them by their ancestors, and that they upkeep it because it's pure Beskar, right? Okay, so that's how that makes sense then, because that I I, I know there were some screenshots. People were like, oh well, how? How do the Mandalorians die off when, like, how are they, how are they getting shot in Clone Wars and dying? But that makes yeah. sense if their armor isn't pure Beskar, then it wouldn't be as, it would basically be like Stormtrooper armor, just fucking useless. Yep. Okay, that's cool. Um, but yeah, she she sort of brings to light to him, like, you can be, like, I'm from fucking Mandalore, asshole, and like, I <laughs> I take off my helmet, like, it's fine. And I think that sort of plants the seed in his head, maybe going forward, and then Bill Burr sort of reaffirms that later but getting ahead of myself um i uh i did want to mention there were two really nice shots in this uh in this episode that i wanted to bring up one is when the freight liner ship is leaving the port it has this like imposing like 
central is where the ship's located in the screen. It's very central, very imposing shot. And the other is when uh, one of the Imperial officers, the guy who's in the cargo hold, he's like waiting for the door to open and he's got his gun drawn and he's standing there very menacingly with the stormtroopers behind him. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, the directing overall this season was better, I think, than the, the special effects too. Like they improved a lot of stuff, a lot of areas that were sort of lacking in season one. Um, oh. And then the comedy with the cargo hold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did like all of them. Getting, that was pretty good. Yeah, sucked out. That was pretty. It was good. it was more imperial incompetence, which it's it's the meme at this point. Like storm stormtroopers can't shoot. Uh, Empire's bad at everything they try to do, and can just be like killed off. Like why why are they you know the reigning? I guess they're not at this point. But why were they at one point the reigning uh, power in this galaxy if they're so incompetent? I know you have feelings about that. Ooh, we have a, yeah, you, you hit on one of my least favorite things about this season and recent Star Wars stuff in general. Um, that's an excellent point, <laughs> and I totally agree with you. And I think going forward, once we get to like the Robert Rodriguez episode, um, I think we're going to discuss that a little bit more. But episode, I'm trying to remember what episode four is. <laughs> Which one was that? They, they yeah. clear out that Empire base with Cara Dune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they oh. go back to um, Navarro to refuel and fix the ship uh because the crust is broken again again and uh you see um you see baby yoda in the classroom at the school uh, i guess Cara Dune and um carl weathers have like just revitalized this town and it's improved so much and you know the two days they've been gone <laughs> it really feels like two days i know it's longer than that but no it man, does it, it did not feel long at all for that to have that much change yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, I don't like this episode very much at all. I don't either. Um, the only interesting thing, again, and they don't even bring this up by the end of the season, which is another point of frustration for me, but one of the few plot lines that I was really invested in is what they're doing with Baby Yoda's blood. Um, and you get a hint of that. You get like a weird cloning facility. They're talking about N M counts, which is midichlorians. Like you're like, what the fuck is going on? And it's so cool. And that's like the one takeaway for me from this episode. I hate that blue fish guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it feels to me like they were trying to inject more humor uh, with him as a vehicle. And it's, it's again, like, I don't need that. <laughs> you know, I, I'm fine with, you know, the, the quips here and there. But, um, you know, we have R2-D2 and C-3PO uh, as, you know, the primary vehicles for comedic relief in the original trilogy. Um baby yoda here with basically his uh um every now and then he does something kind of silly or cute and you know you get a laugh out of it i think that's all you need yeah no i i totally agree with you um, Connor, can i ask you uh with the m counts because it didn't go anywhere do you have like this retroactive like loathing about it like when you were watching the episode real time did were you excited for it but because it went nowhere you have a different opinion now um yeah Definitely. Uh, I think, and that, and that again, that can be changed again if in season three they really go into that, that subplot. But I think it's a bummer to bring up stuff like this or bring up some kind of interesting story other than we need to get Baby Yoda to a different place. Like, having any other subplot in this show would have made it really interesting, and then they just cut that off entirely. So that, that was a huge bummer. Um, yeah. Again, this show, as much as I do like it, and I will say I do like it, but it's very safe. They play it, and, and that's really what it needs to be after these shitty sequel movies. Like, you need to have some your safe, 
you know, bankable Star Wars franchise that's going to do well. So everything they've done so far makes sense to me, but I was really hoping, you know, we had that in season one and I was really hoping in season two, they would kind of push that forward. And mostly I think they kind of stood still. Also, yeah, baby, that. baby Yoda using the force to grab space macaroons is my <laughs> level of fat that I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was a good um, moment. And another thing too is the like one of the few takeaways I had from this was like, oh, that you know the chase scene with the two ships was pretty cool. But then in episode seven, we get a way better chase. <laughs> so I was like, fuck, yeah. this episode is useless. Yeah, it, um, totally forgettable. Honestly, it's yeah. very forgettable. Unforgettable. Yeah. Okay, so episode five. This is where the Jedi. This is the this, Jedi. This is, yeah, they go to Corvus. Go to Corvus. This is where we meet Ahsoka Tano. Um, and she is, I guess, something, I don't know. There's a town under siege, and I don't, who fucking cares? Mainly what's important, <laughs> the most important thing is that Mando is trying to find her because he believes she can train Baby Yoda. Or in this episode, we learn it's Grogu. Gogurt. Uh, Gogurt. <laughs> so she talks to Gogurt, and you get Gogurt's backstory about him being uh, on Coruscant on the, in the Jedi Temple during Order 66 kind of a lazy backstory but that's okay <laughs> it's serviceable and it's fine um you know i i'm still kind of getting used to the name i think it's a little silly but so are most star wars names but joey you in particular how did you feel because i don't think chris and i chris you haven't seen clone wars right i have not okay so neither of us have seen clone wars so how do you feel that ahsoka tana was represented seeing that show and then seeing this one was it accurate or was it were there changes that you maybe liked or didn't like I felt that it was accurate, um, and I enjoyed it. Uh, I think Rosario Dawson was a great casting choice because um, I know she came directly uh, to, I think, Dave Filoni and wanted to be cast as Ahsoka. And I think she pulled it off completely. Um, I think it's it's hard to nail in a um, live-action show the um, style of combat and her dexterity. Um, but I think that they did a good job at it, surprisingly. Um, because, you know, in, in the animated show, you can do a lot with, you know, her movement. She's, like, spinning around on the floor, jumping behind people, and doing all these crazy things. Um, and you can only do so much in a live-action show, but I think they represented her pretty well. That was something I had mentioned to you, um, I think, because when I was watching it, they, in, in the Clone Wars animated show, there's a ton of motion blur to hide all their mistakes, um, which is usually what a lot of people do when they're, you know, a little rushed for time but they added motion blur to her live action in post to make her feel more like the cartoon. So you have that transition in your mind of being like, oh, well, this was a cartoon character. Now it's live action. But I feel like there's this stepping stone in between those two to help me you know, feel better about seeing her live action. And not only that, but her makeup was amazing. Like the practical yeah. effects on her were so good. Yeah, yeah. The, that, was, that was my biggest takeaway from this episode was her costume and makeup design was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, best part of the episode for me when it's, it's like a three second scene, but it's when she's fighting him for the first time. Um, because you learn so much immediately, a lightsaber hits his best car, doesn't break it. So you're like, okay, cool. He's resistant to lightsabers. And then like just the, the choreography that happens in that section where he like shoots her with the thing. She jumps over a tree. He disengages it, uses his flamethrower. Like it, it was awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, it, that basically showed that they're almost an even match, I think. Yeah. Um, I think Ahsoka is definitely more powerful. Uh, don't get me wrong. But with that Beskar, like, I don't know what really she can do. Like, she can definitely, you know, get away or escape and probably get the upper hands. But um, I thought it was really interesting. I had this running through my mind. Like, what if they end up just at odds later? Like, what is that going to look like? And I love that little first engagement because you're like, oh, it immediately answers that question. Like, they're they're a fair fight for each other at best. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was, and again, really great world world building, you know, letting you know how powerful he is, how powerful his armor is. Uh, it was good stuff. I thought the, the second half of this episode dragged a little bit when it's just like them fighting weird robots and then she's fighting that lady in charge of the thing that I don't care about. Um, I wish they would have done a who shot first with Mando and the magistrate's first man. Yeah, um, but Mando yeah. just fucking kills him. <laughs> so that was that was interesting to me because um, they were kind of getting at how they're kind of the same, like they're both mercenaries doing mercenary work. Mm-hmm. And he like it was really like awkward just the fact that they're standing there not fighting while Ahsoka and the uh, the boss lady are fighting. Yeah, it kind of it kind of broke the tension for me, to be yeah. honest. I think it was like uh, like these two weren't fighting because they didn't have as much of a horse in the race because it's all dependent on what happens in the fight behind them. Yeah, I just thought it would end a little bit more interestingly because like he brings up a good point. He's like, you know, I'm not. This isn't my planet. This isn't my fight. I don't care. And I actually thought there's they're gonna have like a discussion about how sort of the ethics of this stuff, but then it turned into Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and he had to like right at the end smile and pick up his blaster so that Mando could shoot him. And I was like, God damn it, there's <laughs> it was almost really cool. And then you had to turn it into like boring Star Wars action. And uh that was a little bit of a bummer. But yeah, I think I think overall that episode was pretty good. Um Again, I don't have as much connection to it just because I didn't watch the other one. But they did a good job, I think, of throwing in Easter eggs for people who have seen the show and like plot lines from that, while also people who have never seen it aren't going to be lost as to who she is. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you kind of get her character very well. Um, so I get so now is episode six. Um, Here we go. <laughs> this one, this one is really a mixed bag for me. Uh, in general, this is the one where, because at the, I should say, at the end of episode five, Ahsoka says you need to take Grogu to this the thing. He'll send out this signal into the universe. If there's any Jedi, a seeing uh, stone. Yeah, seeing stone. Yeah, yeah. So if there's any Jedi, we'll find him. Blah, blah blah. So they, so he takes him there. He puts him on the thing, and he starts transmitting through this beam of energy. Uh, you know, contacting all the other Jedi through the Force, and then Boba Fett shows up, and he tries to attack Mando for his armor, but then a bunch of stormtroopers show up. They fight all the stormtroopers. Baby Yoda gets captured after uh, end of episode. Um, this episode in particular, Joey, is, gets into this, the stuff that I hate about the show with the stormtroopers, how they are disposable fodder for people to just kill, and how they're so stupid and so inept that it makes me wonder how they were ever a threat at all. Yeah. So I want to highlight the positives about that first um whenever i see like new imperial technology that they start using or like new stuff that you know hasn't really been shown before um i get really excited and they brought out this like mortar and it's like a very simple idea like oh cool you like a mortar and they had this giant turret as well and i was like oh okay they're gonna be smart they're gonna you know pin down the sniper so she can't get a shot off right 
They're going to be intelligent about it. Fennec is back in this episode with Boba Fett. Yes. She is. And um, I, I'm very, like, irked by this. But, yeah, they're gatling down the boulder she's hiding behind, and she just, like, pushes it. And it happens to roll directly into the turret. And, and, and like, she, she pushed her cover. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. That was yeah. dumb. And then you have this, like, little montage of her a few minutes later where she's kind of, like, 360 no-scoping people jumping around, just being insanely overpowered. Those were the and words I used. It's all fun, okay? It's all really fun, right? But it's just, like, I can't suspend my disbelief this much when stormtroopers are so bad. Yeah, those were the words I used. I was like, she's the player in COD who runs around quick-scoping everybody. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's... she's 20 yards away from somebody at most in like half these action scenes like it's crazy you know and and it, it is nice to see and i love seeing you know everybody fuck up some stormtroopers but it, it it just there's like 17 of them on one person surrounding them and they they can't kill them yeah, it, it gets a little ridiculous. Actually, I think it's past a little ridiculous. I think it's all the way. This was past ridiculous. This was. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it. It didn't make sense to me. You get that in the last episode too. Oh my god, the way yeah. they just tear through the forces on that ship is an entire Star Destroyer. Also, the writing of the show is like really odd at times. So they have um, this moment where uh, Boba Fett's uh, riding up on Slave One up to the uh, um, Star Destroyer. And he says, I can't believe it. It's the Empire. And I'm like, what? And then Fennec is like, yeah, that's right. It is the Empire. Or I can't believe it either. It's like, you guys just fought off like 30 Stormtroopers. <laughs> like, what did you expect? <laughs> that How just like completely us? took me out of the episode. <laughs> I think what took me out is Mando running into the blue light that Grogu was doing like three times. He's like, all right, it's time to go. He would run into it. It would throw him Every back. Time. Yeah. And then he'd look down and see Boba Fett. And he's like, he'd forget the lesson he just learned. And was like, <laughs> Grogu, it's time to go. And he'd run into it again. And he did that three times. <laughs> yeah. The, th the third time is inexcusable. First time, I, I get it. You have no idea. Second time, let's see if it happens again. But how, yes. the third time, how do you There's not There's a canon reason for this. <laughs> There's a canon reason for this. Okay. That force field has um, sensory memory loss. It inflicts sensory memory loss, so you completely forget you ran into it. Did George Lucas tell you that? Is that, tr is that true? Uh, yeah, so I, I called George Lucas after that episode. Like, I'm on speed dial. <laughs> he, said, he was like, Stop I work on the show, me. fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, I... Like, and, and I think... There was cool action here, like you said, like it's fun action, but it gets to the point where it's just it's so ridiculous the kills that they're getting on these stormtroopers and how just fucking inept they are. Like the the only reason that they were inept in the original trilogy is because you know they were supposed to be clones, they were a little shitty, whatever. But like there was they were also only fighting like two or three at a time. So you could kind of excuse it. Like, everybody's just sort of hiding behind cover and shooting. Like, there's one scene in the original, in the first one, in A New Hope, where Han Solo runs around a corner, and he sees 50 of them, and he doesn't just start blasting through them with a minigun. He's like, oh, shit, and he runs away. <laughs> What's also really interesting is um, the tactics they employ in A New Hope. Um, they're very stealthy in going into the Death Star, right? They don't just, like, go in there. Um, you know, they get sucked in by the tractor beam, 
they figure out, okay, uh, we're in trouble, guys. They have to get some stormtrooper outfits, and they like stealthily work their way through. And oh boy, when we get to episode uh, eight, we're gonna talk about that. <laughs> well, it's the same. Episode eight of this show and episode nine in the movies are exactly the same. Like what you're talking about with like you know they had to beat up those two guys and disguise themselves and do all this shit in that episode ray and finn land on the ship and they just start shooting all of them <laughs> like 50 of them it's <laughs> like this is like a michael bay movie this yeah. is fucking ridiculous um but i guess we can move on from episode six we can talk about episode seven which for me was my second favorite episode of this uh this entire season i thought i thought it was great i didn't think it was as good as episode one because nothing will be um, but it, I, one of my favorite parts of this show, and I thought it would be the worst part, but it ended up being one of the best is Bill Burr. I think his character is awesome. I really like how he questions Mando's ethics and the Star Wars universe in general. Mm-hmm. Um, his action scene with him, with the, the pirates is really fun. And then you ultimately get the scene at the end where he's talking with the Imperial Guard that I really liked. Uh, Mando taking off his helmet for was for me a massive surprise um and yeah all around fucking solid but what'd you guys think I think this is my favorite episode with episode one obviously being close second um I I really like this episode especially with the pirate scene because the the way it's written and directed it makes you root for the empire uh for a little bit there and it kind of catches you off guard you don't realize you're doing it and when the tie fighters come in you're like yes he's, they're saved and then you're like wait a second whose side are we on hashtag empire did nothing wrong <laughs> that is a great moment um and you get a little bit of that later too because they're like in episode eight when they're like oh well on the death star you killed millions of people well they're you know they're trying to throw like some they throw some elementary school ethics in there for you. But in this episode, I really think they do a good job of that because it's subtle because your brain really does have that moment when the TIE fighter and it plays the heroic music mixed with the empire theme. And you're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you get so yeah. excited. But I had that exact same reaction, Chris. Yeah. So this is also, I think my second favorite episode, uh, but this one blew me away. Like I had no expectations for this actually very low expectations for, um, Bilber, um, I didn't like his character in uh, season one. I didn't really like him that much at all. And then um, he comes in and he shows all this emotional depth in this episode. And it absolutely blew me away. Um, I was not expecting it at all. And I think there's there's a lot of things that surprised me here. Um, I, uh, I particularly liked the, I guess, the last action he does, basically blow up the uh, Imperial Station. Um, and the fact that he sets off the plan, like he, he says, you're not going to get your way and just decides to kill his uh, old officer. And um, I thought that was so neat. Yeah. You know what? I actually forgot about the end where he snipes the thing and he's like, whatever helps you sleep or something like that. Something, something to that effect. Yeah. That was a great moment. Um, and then the one thing of fan service in this, in this series that I really like, you know, pretty out uh, out there uh, obvious fan service was the seismic charge from boba fett's slave one oh my god awesome so good yep yep <laughs> yeah i do want to say yes uh, sorry uh, the, the just on bill Burr, real quick when he is explaining like the explosive stuff and how it's like 
wild and explosive and easy to set off. And he says the same thing about Cara Dune. I think that's kind of funny considering everything going on with Gina Corona. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Or Corano. laughs> In my head, Ken, and uh, he improvised that. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say the uh, um, the seismic wave um, thing or whatever it's called. Uh, that's that's something that like it's it's like kind of deep fan service. It's not like oh here's Boba Fett fan service. It's like if you remember this one specific thing from episode two, then you're gonna like you're gonna get excited. Yeah, it's a three minute scene from episode two where yep. and, and it makes sense because that why wouldn't that ship still have that those weapons? Yeah, like, you know it, it it to me it makes perfect sense in story and is also just a fun thing to use uh, for the episode. So uh, I thought it was great. I think we're all kind of on the same page with that one. Um, I do have to say, while we were watching it, Hannah's never, I watched it with Hannah, and she's never seen another Star Wars movie. And she said the Slave 1 kind of looks like a clothes iron, and I can't stop seeing that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> you want the ship to just land like this, but it goes like this. Yeah. <laughs> like it's pressing an iron. Um I think we're going to deviate a little bit for episode eight. I think this is where um, there's a lot of stuff in this episode that I really like. And I think there's some fantastic moments. There's moments that I like in this. I don't know if I like the whole episode, um, especially the end, <laughs> but uh, what, what uh, general thoughts, what did you guys think? Episode eight. So there's a lot of, criticisms that I've been building up, I think. Um, namely, I'll talk about the stakes. Um, this entire episode, I don't feel like there were any true stakes. Um, even really at the end, when they were seemingly completely outmatched by these dark troopers, um, I was thinking, okay, they still have Beskar. Like, all of them are pretty, you know, safe here. Um, they don't really have to worry about anything. In the fight with Mando and Moff Gideon, um, he's got Beskar. The Darksaber can't hurt him. Uh, we don't know much about Moff Gideon, but Mandalorian is pretty, um, at least pretty adept in uh, in martial arts, and can you know probably take him out if he needs to. Um, and it just reinforces the idea because that you have Cara Dune, um, uh, Bo-Katan, and the other Mandalorian—I forget her name—but um, they're just plowing through this entire Star Destroyer on their own, and it just reinforces that idea of okay, the, the Empire is incompetent; they can't do anything, they can't shoot anybody. Um, unless it's the Mandalorian. And you have, you know, I, I don't know if in this episode in particular, but you have a couple episodes where he's just, like, getting lit up and his best cars is, you know, getting annihilated by, not annihilated, but you see they're only, they have perfect aim shooting him, but no one else, right? Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And then, uh, oh, Chris, real quick, what did you think? Uh, I, I, I think the stakes were a little higher. I think because Mando isn't completely covered in pure Beskar, like, if Moff Gideon got him in the throat where there's no armor, like real good, then he could die, you know. And that was kind of preparing myself for maybe not the throat where he would die, but like an injury like that. Sever a limb or something. Yeah, not quite sever, but like an injury coming from, you know, the Dark Savior or something hitting somewhere where the armor, because he is mostly covered in armor, but it's not 100%. Yeah. Um, I, I thought I thought it was pretty good, though. There's a couple of points I'll touch on, but. I'll let you go. Well, I just I just want to talk about how what a fucking disappointment Moff Gideon turned out to be for me. Um, I mean, when you really think about how this 
show has been building up to him. Like his plan made no fucking sense at all. So, so he, so let's break this down for a second because I'm so interested to hear what you guys think about this. So they are going to attack him on the bridge because they think he's there. He somehow figures it out. That's fine. I'm, you know, I'm here for that. He could have figured that out a million different ways. He meets up with Mando with baby Yoda says, I've stolen everything I need from him. You can just take him. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I guess that that's kind of fair. Then he decides to attack him. He, they have like a three second fight, which is admittedly kind of cool. Like there's some cool moments, but it's pretty short. He makes short work of him. They bring him in to the, you know, the main control room where he tells Bo-Katan that she has to fight him for it. Clearly she doesn't have to kill Mando because Mando didn't kill Moff Gideon and he has the dark saber. So all she has to do is like defeat him and everything's fine. And then she can just take it. Uh, Then Moff Gideon tries to kill himself. (laughs) That was one of my points. That's super dark for Disney, but I love it. It is. Um, So if you remember episode three, they have uh, that one officer that had the little shock tooth. Um, I was wondering why didn't Moff Gideon have that? So I'm going to try to address what you said, Connor. I think, um, I think when he said he got everything he needed from Baby Yoda, I think that, or Grogu, um, I think that was accurate. I don't think he lied there. Um, however, like, the only way I can really rationalize him going out and attacking Mando is out of vengeance or pure spite. Um, I honestly don't know why he would. I mean, maybe he knew at that point that this is what he was supposed to do. The plan went to complete fruition. He completed what he needed to do. So his life was basically forfeit at that point. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't, don't even know, know why. I don't know why he would give him the option to give Bo-Katan the Darksaber in the first place. Because, okay, let's say Bo-Katan doesn't defeat Mando. He gave a, a, an Empire weapon, a now Empire weapon, to somebody else. Like, Mando still has the Darksaber no matter what happens. So he knowingly gave him that Darksaber, even if that was part of his plan. And then, I don't know, he was just so weak and, like, his plan didn't make any sense. And I was like, what the fuck? The only thing I can think of is that that is, like, some weird clone of Moff Gideon. And that's what we're going to get into in Season 3, where, like, he was just trying to make different versions of himself or younger versions of himself. So maybe that's the original, but then he cloned himself again. So there'll be, like a younger officer who is still Moff Gideon or, you know, something I'm spitballing, but maybe they'll do something like that. Do you think that he was banking on the dark troopers to kind of bail him out? If he got, if he needed to, or like strengthen him, like protect him. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's possible. Um, The dark troopers were also kind of disappointing yeah, just with they built them up as like these titan killing machines and there is a cool scene with where mando's getting punched into the wall <laughs> and i yeah. actually thought that was kind of cool um like his helmet's not breaking but he's just going further and further into the ship um but then he kills one and then you know obviously we get at the end uh someone comes in with an x-wing oh who is it uh it's terrible cgi luke skywalker <laughs> oh no yeah. <laughs> um so let me say, like, I was thoroughly impressed with not only, uh, I guess, um, the decision to do that, to bring Luke Skywalker back, but the buildup of bringing him in 
um, how, okay, it's a single X-Wing. Uh, you see a hooded figure come out. Um, you see him pull out a green lightsaber. He's now attacking the droids. Uh, this is all monitored through these security cameras. And it's more of like a, um, a uh, you're getting a, a POV of, you know, those people in the room. They're all watching this happen. And they're like, are we in danger? I don't know what's happening. None of them really know him, um, nor they have reason to, I don't think. Um, so it's just, it's such a cool execution of like, what's happening? Like, are we saved or are we in danger now? I don't know. Um, but yeah, the CGI was probably my least favorite part of that. It was unfinished. Um, of that review. Sure. Yeah. They need to spend like, more on their deep fake software. Yeah. It was like, yeah. it was like, that's exactly what it was. It was like a really bad deep fake. Mm -hmm. um, the voice was good. They got Mark Hamill's voice to sound younger, which I thought was cool, but I don't know why they didn't just cast somebody else if that's what they were planning on doing. If they're because they're they're going to do more Luke stuff in the future, so why wouldn't you find somebody already who like looks like him and can play the part? I just, I Connor, can I play devil's advocate to that? I think yeah, if you cast someone else, people might have gotten very confused because if it kind of looks like Luke, then people are like, well, is that Luke or not? Right. Well, and I can also retort to that. Uh, why the fuck do you have Luke Skywalker in this show? I'm, and this is a personal thing. I am so done with Luke Skywalker. He has been revealed to us four times in the past three years. I'm done with him. I've seen where his story goes. I've seen the way Disney treats him. I'm so done. And, and that, was what, that was what really bummed me out with the, the end of this. Because the, there are other parts of the end of this that I think are really good. But the the best part of this show for me is what you said earlier, Joey, which is that it's a fucking break. It's a break from these shitty sequel movies. It's a break from the normal Star Wars. You know, obviously, as soon as Baby Yoda came into the picture in episode one, it was never going to be a truly independent show. But I like the idea of exploring new worlds from a perspective of somebody who isn't a fucking Skywalker. And yeah. with this twist to me, it just threw all of that away. I'm like, it could have been anybody else. It could have been a, a, some different Jedi, maybe a new character, a new character Jedi that we can, who isn't really that well-trained, but like maybe they can kind of, him and Grogu can grow together. And then, you know, it, the Luke thing to me, knowing what I know now about what happens in the sequel trilogy and, and knowing how, you know, Disney has been treating their original trilogy heroes is such a fucking bummer. And I, and I was, as soon as I knew it was Luke, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> so I was, I was really hoping for a new character. And even though that would be cliff, like a cliffhanger, I would be here for it. I, mm -hmm. I, I wish they would have cast somebody not deep faked. And I wish it would have been new, like a new Jedi. And we would be left wondering who it is or what they're, I mean, we would know who they are, but more of their backstory, even though it would be cliffhangery. Yeah. So I'm going to disagree, Connor. Um, and this is going to be like our, I think our big fight. So don't hate me. <laughs> okay, no. Um, but so overall, like I really loved the move, um, because going back, I think we really needed a break. Um, we needed something to unify a lot of, you know, the disparaged fans. And you know, we have a lot of new Star Wars fans, obviously, um, that you know joined because of the sequels. But um, the opportunity to see Luke Skywalker in his prime, outside of Return of the Jedi um, has not really come up in a lot of media. Uh, I think Battlefront 2, like one of the highlights of that game, which spoiler for anyone that wants to play it, um, is you get to play as him in a mission. 
he's tracking down a uh, a compass that um or a uh, a locator MacGuffin thing um that belonged to the emperor and it was such a cool like moment because like i don't get to see a lot of canon of luke skywalker in his prime uh like post um return of the jedi basically so i loved that moment and that said i don't want them to oversaturate us with a lot more of luke um i want to keep building on mando um i want to keep building on ahsoka because i think she's a great character and even though we have a lot of content of her um her story doesn't really conclude um she still has a lot left to accomplish and i th i want to see a lot more of these characters and i want to go somewhere new and do something different uh that i do agree with you on um but i do feel like there's an opportunity for disney here to and there's two paths there's there's two fork paths here you can go the easy route and i'll say this is easier for disney as a um as a company to try to join and explain the things that happened in Rise of Skywalker and The Last Jedi, because there's a lot in between the gaps here that need to be filled in um, to explain why Luke is the way he is in Last Jedi. And in order to do that, you have to fill in, you know, with these uh, with these TV shows and you know have some kind of explanation for it, right? And I think you can do that. We can talk about that in the theories coming up in a second. Um, option B is admit you fucked up with the sequel trilogy, which I don't think Disney is going to do. Um, but from there, that gives them the even more unique opportunity to build on what you have with Baby Yoda and Grogu. So those are my thoughts on that. It's funny because I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, my only, and which I know conflicts with what I just said, but my only thing that I disagree with is that I think this was the wrong show to have this reveal in. I don't think the Luke reveal works in a Mandalorian TV show. You're try this is this and this is the problem all along. If you're gonna do an Ahsoka TV show or a Luke Skywalker TV show or the fucking the Obi-Wan Kenobi one, then I don't mind when there's cross section with the movies. This to me just felt so far removed. And I was and again, I, I feel like I'm very much alone on this because I know the internet was freaking out that Luke was back. But I liked that the show was separate. And I liked that it told its own unique story, or at least, you know, tried to in, in certain aspects. And bringing Luke into this just means that Mando is going to be part of this massive galaxy-wide thing. The reason that episode one of this show is so good to me is because it is a giant monster that they all have to fight. It's this crazy, you know, it's a, an insane fight, but it is on one town in a desert planet on the Outer Rim. It doesn't affect the galaxy as a whole at all. No, no lives will be changed by them killing this Kray dragon besides the immediate ones that are right there. And that's what I think, this, that's when the show shines to me. Is and yet the stakes feel very high in that moment. Yeah, Even exactly. though you know that you, know, you have a very small side of characters here, some that are completely new. And this is not a galactic threat, like you said. Yeah. So I think the show really shines in episodes like The Marshall, uh, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think that's where, you know, they need to go. And now, but can you go back? You've opened this can of worms with Luke Skywalker that I don't think you can close. I think you can go back. I mean, he took baby Yoda and left with him, you know, to go back to the temple. And that's, they could leave it at that. They could. They could. I don't, I don't think they will just because baby Yoda makes too much money. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> but 
if that is where they decide to go and then Mando starts doing other adventures, um, you know, that would be an interesting way to do it. Maybe he looks more into the cloning now that Baby Yoda's safe. Maybe you get episodes just with him where he's going to these Imperial bases and trying to get information from people to keep him safe, to keep Baby Yoda safe and to, you know, try and destroy whatever materials they may have gotten from Baby Yoda, like his blood. Um, that would be interesting. And again, it brings it back, small scale, which is when this show is at its best. Hear me out. Baby Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's just a baby. Like a, with like a little Mark Hamill. A little, a little tiny green lightsaber. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll go back again um, to another point. I, we're probably harping too much on it, but um, I agree. I think they could have cast someone as Luke. I don't think that would have been too much of a stretch, especially if you have R2 right there. And Luke is, you know, you get someone that looks pretty much like Luke um, in the full getup with a green lightsaber. I don't think many people are going to be distracted and think, huh, I wonder who that is. Like, that's, that's Luke Skywalker, right? I rolled I my Sebastian eyes Stan's so hard. name was thrown around a couple times, and I think that would work, but... Um, oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, I rolled my eyes so hard when R2-D2 showed up. <laughs> I was like, you fucking goddammit. <laughs> so, like, that's... This is another discussion, I think, but um, the amount of, like, I guess fan service they throw in here um, into this season is unrivaled from season one. Like, they have Boba Fett, Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, and Luke, and R2-D2 um, that all have these, like, little brief cameos. And I still don't think it takes away from my overall experience, but, like, it definitely feels, like, a little pandery when, you know, it's just, like, Here's the characters you know and love. Um, but importantly, they don't really damage them in any like irredeemable way, which is what the sequels did. So I think the show got it right, at least. That, it, that is an excellent point. And I don't really have a rebuttal to that. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a good thing they got it right. I think they just could have taken a slight step back. Yep. Yeah. I, think, I definitely think it's more than a little pandery, for sure. But, but I think you that's... Know, that's just a disagreement and where you think the line is. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. But I think that's a very interesting point is that even when I am upset that they keep doing the member berries on me, that they did do it well. I mean, <laughs> none of these characters were destroyed like they were in the sequel trilogy. So, I mean, that's something. <laughs> that's certainly something. Um, I guess... We we've probably been talking about this it's, way more than I thought. It's, it's been an hour. Has it really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is fine. I think uh, the first. I mean, I was we were shooting for ninety minutes. I think on this. Yeah, we were gonna get into some questions too. I think we were, yeah. we weren't really too concerned about the time, but um, it it is the Christmas episode after all. Yeah, I, but, I thought uh, we'd go a little longer. Yeah, for sure. But instead oh, of spending time with your families spend time with us <laughs> <laughs> yeah this will be uploaded on christmas day so definitely if you're having you know some kind of weird family issue you're mad at people just watch need our to, episode need to take a break yeah yeah exactly um one last thing i want to say uh this ending hit me way harder than i thought it was going to i actually teared up a little bit when he took off his helmet and he's giving away yeah. baby yoda that like i'd never in a million years thought i would be any sort of upset by that but you do you care about those characters all faults and all with this show i give a shit what happens to both of those people so it was it was a very like it was a tender moment it was heartfelt and i like best part of that episode for me for sure 
I think we all just agreed. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it, it was really interesting because uh, he's he's definitely you see the inner turmoil turmoil of him with his helmet, and I guess in the episode prior to this where he decides, okay, I'm going to do it because we have a goal, we got an objective, we got to do this, and he's a lot more willy nilly with it now. I think where he's just going to take it off. Yeah, moving um, forward, I think he will. We've yeah. seen him break down his like strictness with his beliefs throughout yeah. a little through season one, but mainly through season two. Yeah, it was a good arc for sure. And if they continue his story, uh, I think that'll be that'll be where it goes. So, yeah, overall, I th- I think I think the show can get better. I think there's a lot of areas they need to improve, but I'll stick to it. Still, the best thing about Star Wars happening right now. It actually got me actively excited for what's next, unlike any of these fucking movies besides Force Awakens, which I think got me excited. Um, yeah, can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, I, I I still stick by my rating. I think it's very good. Even if there were things that I wish they did differently or things they changed, the things they did were still really good. So I think it stands. Yep, I agree. And uh, a lot of my complaints and criticisms are very mechanical and or technical or something that we've seen in star wars as a relative theme such as the empire being incompetent which please fix that uh, i'm begging you please yeah. um but yeah i still love the show so yeah. i will keep watching great show yeah definitely gonna keep watching it's it's you know it's it's still worth your time i think for sure um all right well i think that pretty much ends our mandalorian segment you guys want to get into some of the fan questions here yeah Let's do it. All right, cool. I have them all on my phone. Uh, so we're going to just read these off. We're going to knock them out one by one. So basically for anybody who doesn't know, we went on our Facebook and our Twitter and we asked people to email us. We got a couple fan questions. Uh, believe it or not, we're not super popular. So we're going to read off all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a lot of questions, a lot of good questions in here. Not necessarily, uh, you know, current media related, but I'm excited for it. Some, uh, some are. Some are, some are, some aren't. Um, so first question, who is the best Joker? Uh, Jared Leto, obviously. <laughs> Next. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Do you guys have a Joker that you like more than Heath Ledger? Uh, I don't. The, the direct answer to that is no. I think Joaquin Phoenix was really good, but the answer to your question is no. Okay. Joaquin Phoenix was a good Joker. Um, I don't think he was better than... Um, Heath Ledger, though. Yeah, I think that performance is pretty iconic. I don't know. Um, and I also, coming from someone, I don't really like the Joker in most media. I think he's kind of a boring character. But in The Dark Knight, where he's just like this weird, pure chaos entity that just that only exists because of Batman, that is super fun. Um, yeah. And, you know, he really, not that that movie isn't fucking awesome without the Joker, but he really is like the icing on the cake for that movie. Um, so, yeah, I think we can, we can move past that one. That one's pretty easy. <laughs> Unanimous. Unanimous. Uh, why did they make two Trons? <laughs> this one's for you, Connor. <laughs> this, one, this one is all you. <laughs> because Tron is fucking awesome, all right? Actually, if you go back and watch that first movie, it's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think well I I'm you know clearly biased. I love Tron Legacy. I think it tells a a really good story, a father-son slash creator created story. Um amazing special effects, awesome soundtrack. Uh the directing 
is Joseph Kaczynski does an interesting thing with symmetry in that film. Almost every shot has a center focus with, you know, with it being symmetrical on the sides, which really makes you feel like you're in a computer system. Um, there's a lot of shit in that movie. I mean, I could go on for hours about that movie, but yeah, that's why they made two of them because they fucked up the first time. <laughs> they wanted to do it right the second time and nobody saw it. I actually, I don't even think I saw it in theaters. I saw it later, but I wish I had. Um, okay, so this one, this one plays into what we were just talking about, and I, I don't know how many that we're gonna have, but it says, "What are the benefits of Disney buying Star Wars?" Okay. All right. Um, next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's more of it. There's more of it. I mean, you weren't getting any movies, you weren't getting any content before, um, because they just stopped making stuff. Um, Disney has the the bank account for it. Yeah, they have the bank account for it. Um, if you like toys, you got your toys. <laughs> you really like building Legos. Yeah, this is for hey, you. The Star Wars Legos are actually dope, so I'm here for it. That they are. <laughs> I would say I would say really the benefits were. Um, I I still think Force Awakens is good. It's not amazing, but it, it is a super fun movie. Um, infinitely replayable like you could watch it forever um rogue one one of the best star wars things ever and i'll even add mandalorian to that list i i like its inclusion in the star wars universe um everything else is pretty garbage <laughs> here's um here's my answer um you have a lot of hope about the potential of what's on the horizon you have a lot of stuff coming out and that's a very exciting prospect for a Star Wars fan. Um, even, you know, with Last Jedi and uh, even um, Rise of Skywalker to an extent, I was excited for those movies to come out. Whether I was happy they came out or, you know, enjoyed them is another thing. So at least you can look forward to stuff. You can look forward to stuff. Yeah, stuff is being made, whether that's good or bad. Um, all right, well, I guess this one I think is going to be kind of interesting. Um, and it's totally different, but it's just uh, Wii versus Connect. What are the pros and cons of each? Um, the Wii actually worked. <laughs> I was going to say one sold like record-breaking numbers and one for the opposite reason <laughs> also <laughs> broke records. Um, they, were bo- they were both sort of at the end of this motion control era. And, th- and, both, and I think Connect and PlayStation Move definitely put that into the ground. And then pave the way for what will be the VR, you know, revolution once it's more readily available. But uh, I think the the pros of the Wii was it was its own standalone console, whereas the Connect you had to have an Xbox with it, or it was part of the Xbox, I guess. But like people who were buying Xboxes really didn't give a shit about that stuff. And if you were buying a Wii, you were buying a Wii, generally like for Nintendo family friendly gaming stuff like that. I think with the um connect uh you had to have a specific version of the xbox right i thought it was was it no you did because at the end of its life uh they realized that no one was buying the connect so they stopped making the adapter for it so you could no longer so like i think certain 360s and then all of the they, they brought it over for the xbox one with connect 2.0 that sold even worse and then they stopped making it entirely i can't imagine why i mean you have connect star wars with I'm um, Han Solo on it. Like, how do you not want to buy that? <laughs> That's another thing, too, was the, the fucking... At least Nintendo made games for it, like, that supported yeah. the, 
the system you know the connect had like just dance and then it had some of the star wars shit and that was it there was no you know every version of the wii came with wii sports and wii sports was awesome yeah i think the the games that came with it were a big thing like wii sports like the bowling tennis all that stuff and the fact that you could play it like i said with your family or your friends it was a very big like multiplayer game yeah and they also use the motion controls well i think in games that didn't generally you know use them a lot like super mario galaxy like has really good motion controls with the uh like being able to pick up the stars and then shaking the controller to hit stuff um like they they work that in pretty well great game great game um so yeah i think but definitely Wii was better uh joey i guess you can just from this you can just kind of choose um the ones that you've been on for me and chris it can be anything but it's your favorite episode or segment that we've ever recorded this one right now. <laughs> um, yeah, like, honestly, like, I, I love uh, this discussion about The Mandalorian. It's, like, very long form, uh, just talking about what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, I really enjoyed that. I like that, too. I was going to say either this one, and this is going to sound like I'm just sucking up to you, but the first, <laughs> the first episode that you were on where we had the Halloween questions, I really like that, too. That was one of my favorite segments. I think yeah. my favorite segment was the eSports debate even though it was kind of a longer segment but i think it was uh it, it was a disagreement but it, it played out very well and i think my favorite episode would be i think episode six which also had joey burt um because we talked about like the video game economics and the ps5 and um gina carano controversy and <laughs> diesel's new music like that I, I, there was a lot of great stuff in that episode. what's not to like Vin Diesel's new music was a great bit. <laughs> that that to me is probably my favorite episode. Although there's been a lot of good ones. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to the uh, esports discussion. Um, I think uh, how you guys all had like different opinions was really interesting, and um, I just like the long form discussions for this podcast. I do too, honestly, because we were we were supposed to only talk about Mando for like 20 minutes, and I think we went up <laughs> for like an hour. But I'm totally fine because I think we had a good conversation and one of my favorite things is when we disagree when we can all have different opinions and there's a lot of stuff that you said where i was like you know i never really thought about it that way like how they treat the characters um yeah super interesting stuff so yeah that was that was probably my favorite uh this question i was really excited about (laughs) so it says all it says is is saturday really for the boys yes if you're gay it definitely is If, honest answer uh if there's any younger viewers watching uh stop watching but if you're still watching um it definitely is for the boys but as you get older that kind of starts to you know people get busy and they have other stuff to do so you know make make the most out of the saturdays you can now because sometimes they you know it'll start to fade in the future but it will always be for the boys it will always be for the boys in our in hearts heart, you boys. will know i wish i had a beer i could like shotgun right now <laughs> although it's not saturday <laughs> all right um this one we kind of talked about before so we can keep it brief uh how do you guys feel about disney seemingly their their current trend of remaking live action or, or doing live action remakes of classic animated films we hate um it. yeah i was yeah. gonna say there's there's not much to so there's really... There's, um, in terms of pandering and like, um, just, uh, what is it called? Um, 
fan service. There is the Mandalorian level, which is like down here, and it's you know pretty low. And then you have like remaking every single movie you've already made, but in live action. And mm-hmm. it's 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 like why are you doing this? I don't want this. Um, yeah. And damn it! Like I watched uh, the live action Lion King remake, and I actually liked it. So like me saying that argument directly conflicts with my enjoyment of that movie. You know. I just watched uh, Mulan not too long ago, and I think the point of that wasn't that it was like as close to the the animated as some of the other movies have been, but uh, I didn't really like it that much, even though it was supposed to be true to the legend. But yeah, Mulan I heard was just a bad movie in general. Like it just yeah, wasn't really good. there's th- that wasn't the question that was asked, but y- yeah, <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of these live action remakes. It just seems like a, a easy money money grab yeah Yeah. increase our stock price real quick yeah the ones that i saw all of the ones that i saw were terrible i saw beauty and the beast and i saw aladdin and there was one other one that i can't remember but they all of those movies are bad Um, i do want a hercules one though i would be a i would go see that the only one yeah and that and i think honestly i think atlantis would work really well um because it does it doesn't have to conform to any real like nostalgia factor like oh you got to put this song in there you got to have this character you can do whatever you want with that movie and you can make your own world with it because nobody gives a fuck about atlanta so you can really like take some creative liberties uh at what point did they just start innovating and actually making you know live action movies that aren't like exact remakes of you know their animated films well that kind of died with uh tron legacy because tron legacy did okay and then Tomorrowland with George Clooney did really poorly. And mm. that's actually the reason why Tron 3 was canceled and why a bunch of other live action movies were canceled. And then they sort of, they made one remake, like live action remake. It made a billion plus dollars. And they're like, oh, fuck, we'll just do this forever. Yeah. It's way less work. I mean, the story's there. Like, you don't have to write anything. You could literally just adapt it one for one if you wanted to. In another 25 years, do you think they'll take the live action ones and remake them as animated movies? <laughs> they just, but they just re-released the 90s version. <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone who's seen the original ones has died of coronavirus will be, you know. <laughs> Disney created coronavirus to sell old movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for that conspiracy. It's better than some of the other conspiracies out there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Like the 5G one or whatever. Um, okay, so this one again, we talked about on another episode. But uh, um, let's see if I can summarize it. It says, I'd love to hear more about your guys' thoughts on uh, streaming platforms exclusives, uh, Sony acquiring um, their, the anime studio Funimation and uh, Crunchyroll, so it, it only goes through them. Um, Disney and their monopolization of franchises like Star Wars, 20th Century Fox, MCU, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and then stuff about uh, movie theater, the future of movie theater and movie theater releases. Um, it's bad. Let me, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to pull, it was it was the longest question we had. Um, I think this is a heavy topic, though. Yeah, it is for our lighthearted uh, Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but we we had discussed this in the past where um you know a, a lot of this is kind of a bummer that only one studio owns everything because you know you're really only going to get the same kind of content from them. Um, you're going to get it at prices that are way higher than they would normally be because they have a monopoly on it. 
uh yeah sony sony i'm not one to speak on anime at all i know nothing about anime um -hmm. but i know that they did buy funimation and crunchyroll which is like the streaming service for anime Mm -hmm. um so i'm guessing they'll jack up the prices have a bunch of exclusives but you know yeah i think uh if you want like some more detail or thoughts on that i think episode eight there was some some talk about the movie theater exclusives in the future of the industry and things like that yeah so for that part of it yeah definitely we gave like a ton of thoughts on that um like whether or not we think the movie theaters will come back um whether people will even keep making movies if they're not lucrative uh you know that's an important issue too so um but joey what do you think about that i mean having just talked about star wars (laughs) sort of being monopolized by disney uh what do you think yep so there's um there's pros and cons to it and as blind of an answer as that is, I think it's the truth. Um, so, I mean, you have a, with, you know, a giant um, uh, franchise like either Star Wars or Marvel, um, you want to keep a lot of things in the same universe and you want to keep a consistent, you know, uh, set of rules that no one steps over. Um, though sometimes it doesn't always work. Uh, see Last Jedi. But um, I won't rag on that movie any more than I already have. But... Uh, in in theory, you don't have you know another um, company or uh, creator uh, kind of trampling over your idea of what something is, um, which is going to send mixed messages to your fans. Um, so yeah, in theory, you have like a consistent rule set and stuff like that, um, and fans should just know what to expect. Or you know, there's a there's you know something excited, uh, something for you to be excited about. Like we have this whole lineup of TV shows from Disney coming up. So yeah, either it's, yeah, it's more consistent releases. Um, yeah. As far as cons, uh, I mean, you're going to be paying more money. Uh, corporate consolidation is bad. We can talk about that if you want. <laughs> um, it also yeah. might be a, a quantity over quality thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be pushing out a lot more stuff, but not nearly as good as you would like it to be. Yeah. Do you really want more stuff if only half of it is good or a fourth of it is good, you know? Right. Um, all right. Yeah. So I think, and again, if you guys want to hear more, you said episode eight, right, Chris? That's where we. Like, yeah. I think that's the, the one. Stuff a little bit. Okay. Um, all right. So this next one, I think is a little bit more broad. It says, should Nintendo release the full Pokemon game catalog to the switch platform from the game boy color titles or just game boy titles to uh, current gen. And my answer is yes. Yeah. I, I think so too. Well, no, I, I, think, I don't want to have more fun on my Switch. <laughs> <laughs> I think it would be nice um, because there's, like, exclusives to, like, the current gen that you can, if you have, I don't know, Gen 3, you can go catch it on Gen 3 and use Pokemon Home and put it in your game. You know, if you don't, if you only buy, like, say you only buy Sword, you only buy Shield, it could help. But then again, I guess you're buying another game to get that. But <laughs> yeah, it's, no, but that it's would honestly... Be- really interesting that they haven't done this yet um because you can just go and play pokemon platinum or pokemon ruby or uh gold and silver soul silver whatever you want on an emulator on your computer uh no you can't you can't do that uh no one's ever done that here uh (laughs) he said you can he's not saying that we have very um it's very illegal yes i'm not recommending you do so uh he said you can perfectly (laughs) i totally didn't ask you how to do that a couple weeks ago (laughs) 
Yeah, definitely don't go to this certain website and download an emulator. <laughs> well, what's so, most, oh, I'm sorry. The point, you... the point being, if they put that on the Switch, um, that's an experience that's a lot more... Um, uh, it's a lot more familiar to you because it's handheld, or I guess you can throw it on TV if you really want to. Um, but, you know, when you used to play your Pokemon games, you played them on your Game Boy. And the Switch is pretty close to that. So it makes yeah. sense from a fiscal perspective to do that. And it's interesting you bring that up, too, because one of the most infuriating things about the Switch, and I happen to have my Wii U controller right here um, <laughs> that's charging, but the reason I still have the Wii U is because it did something that the Switch still hasn't done, which is a virtual console. You can buy DS games, you can buy Game Boy Advance games, you can buy Nintendo 64 games, all stuff for whatever reason you can't buy on the Switch. I don't know why they haven't added that plus GameCube era games it seems like they're just losing money on that entirely. I, I really want the Pokemon, I think Gale of Darkness or something on the GameCube. Ooh, I used to love yes. that game. And I haven't played it in a while, so I don't know if the nostalgia is just in my head or if the game would still hold up. But yeah, yeah, those where you have all I the played. shadow Pokemon that you yeah. have to catch. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I played Coliseum pretty recently, and it's still an awesome game. Like It's still really, really good. Uh yeah, so to answer your question, viewer, yes, absolutely. We would love to see that. Uh, okay. So here's another actually kind of related question. Um, what direction should Nintendo take with their new titles? And then they say, I personally would like to see uh, multiple remasters of a single game. So I guess maybe like different versions. I'm assuming you mean like Pokemon. So like different versions of Pokemon remastered. Um yeah, Nintendo has the best arsenal of retro games ever, and they keep not doing anything with it, and it's infuriating. I would love to see them remake tons of games, have sequels to games that people actually care about. Um, yeah, uh, I would love to see that going forward, and I think we will get that once the Switch Pro, or whatever they decide to call it, is announced. As far as you didn't say uh, Metroid. Yeah, well then... <laughs> Nintendo has given no love to... I mean, the fans have given more love to Metroid than Nintendo has. That AM2R game, which is free, and you should all totally play it, um, is awesome. And it's the best Metroid game that's come out in 10 years, 20 years, however long it's been since Metroid Fusion and the Prime series. But yeah, that's that's a huge one right there. Um, you and I, Joey, Custom Robo. Oh, I please. <laughs> I need a sequel. Please. Oh. Um, Chris, are there any games in particular you would like to see, a, like a Nintendo games that you'd like to see sequels to, or new ones? Uh, I I think the only Nintendo things I kind of play is the Pokemon stuff. I don't, never really had a big Nintendo console growing up, besides GameCube, but I didn't really play that much. Gotcha. Nintendo specific games on it. I hope the next Pokemon is better. <laughs> yeah. Sword and Shield I, um... are very lacking. Yeah, I agree. I want them to innovate more with Pokemon. Um, Dynamaxing is not fun. <laughs> it's not. Um, I, I really want them to expand and like really think outside of the box and try to focus on what the fans enjoy about Pokemon. I want and, them to to regress. I want them to go back to like how the first couple of gens are. I think yeah. I think what they need to do is expand on that open world section of the game that they have because like where you it's like the it's called the wild area or something where you mm -hmm. can they're like you can oh holy shit innovation you can move the camera 
Um, but you basically like ride around and there are Pokemon actually out and you can catch them and do shit. I would love to see an open, like a true open world Pokemon game. Like Nintendo needs to have their, I think Nakey Jakey said their uh, Breath of the Wild Super Mario Odyssey come to Jesus moment where they figure out like <laughs> what made those games so good before and then make these awesome sequels to those. Um, and they need to do that with Pokemon because that formula is hella stale <laughs> and they yep. need to do something with it. 100% agreed. All right, let's see. I think now we're going to get into some of the goofier stuff, and I'm really excited about this. <laughs> um, first one, I think this might spark some hot debate. What is the best and most optimal shape of pasta? I have a different answer for best and for optimal. <laughs> All right, you want to go for it? <laughs> so best is probably one that no one else is going to bring up because I don't think it's very popular with a lot of people, but I like angel hair is my favorite, uh, but it's not optimal at all. I think the okay. most optimal optimal is like manicotti or rigatoni, something that's tubular and has ridges to increase the surface area to hold sauce. And manicotti you can stuff with like ricotta and stuff like that. Okay. It's actually interesting uh, you said that because I really love um, rigatoni. Okay. <laughs> So that's it's very, that's it's very optimal. Yeah, that that's your favorite and and most optimal. It's it's such a funny like I love all pastas so like I don't know, <laughs> like I it's hard for me to say what the best version is. But can you agree that shout out to rigatoni lasagna is not very optimal? It's just kind of a a piece of pasta. <laughs> yeah, that's I a like lasagna. Yeah, it's pretty sloppy. Um. All right. Well, next one we can. Oh wait, no, I didn't. I didn't say what mine. You didn't go. Um, <laughs> uh, for me, this might, I, I don't know if you guys have even had this before, but bow tie noodles are my absolute favorite. Mm -hmm. I love bow ties yeah. mainly because my favorite thing about pasta is Parmesan cheese and bow ties are like little shovels that you can pick up all the Parmesan cheese with. For me, it's ideal. What about, what about the ones that I mentioned where there's already cheese stuffed in them? Yeah, I mean that works too. Like if if it's like a shell where there's like it's already encased. But yeah. I I mean I'm I'm a fan of like I like buttered noodles and then like a shit ton of shaky parmesan cheese on there. I will say I think the best one that I can make is like a carbonara with spaghetti. Oh yeah, carbonara is delicious. I like it cuz it's like kind of it's like thicker noodles, like they're a little bit more yeah. dense. Yeah. You cook them like al dente and you make the sauce really creamy and nice. Yeah, that's like the one noodle I like al dente because sometimes you have it and it's just like kind of rubbery and gross. But that I actually, I really enjoy. Something mm -hmm. with the carbonara, I don't know why. All right, let's see here. <laughs> There's a lot of pasta questions. <laughs> <laughs> so which is better, marinara or Alfredo sauce? Red sauce or white sauce, boys? Marinara. Uh, Alfredo hands down. Oh, okay. Oh, here we go. Oh, I'm marinara too. Are oh. you? I uh so let me I will combine this with the other question. Angel hair with Alfredo is what I love the best. Um because that like when I was working out in college, I would come home and I would literally make a 1200 calorie plate of angel hair with Alfredo <laughs> on it. Uh I think homemade Alfredo if I'm we're talking homemade like alfredo takes the cake the store store-bought alfredo kind of sucks some butt yeah that's that's my biggest issue is that um marinara for me is always pretty good 
Like it doesn't really matter what brand you buy. It's all going to yeah. be like relatively delicious. Alfredo can be better than marinara, but most Alfredo you can buy at a store is disgusting. So that's why I always generally go marinara because like 10 times out of 10, it's going to be at least good. I think, I think that is like the root of my question because I try if I can to avoid buying Alfredo like so hard <laughs> because it's it usually sucks i think i bought like the the walmart version one time and i didn't even like finish the can it was so bad no it's hor- the walmart <laughs> stuff is so bad dude. it's very bad i think bertoli is maybe the closest to what i i think is okay but even then it's like so thick and like when you make it yourself you can really get it down perfectly to a science but if you're going to a, a store marinara will take it but there's nothing better than like a rich homemade alfredo yeah, no, I agree. Marinara is what I find myself eating more often than not. And it's more classic, I guess. So, marinara. Yeah, no, I'm with you. It's definitely, it's definitely like what I grew up with, I think. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why I like it more. Um, my favorite question of all time. This is just a fun one to talk about. But would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or a hundred duck-sized horses? A <laughs> um, hundred duck-sized horses for me easily it's the same <laughs> joey i don't want to know i think i want to go with the duck size or sorry the horse size duck do you, know do you know how scary that would be do you know how big the beak is on that thing <laughs> okay <laughs> you can work your way around that what you can't work your way around is a hundred little duck sized horses nibbling your ankles and you, just you like kick- scratching at you you, you kick one, kick. you're going to break its ribs instantly. You kick them all day long. <laughs> okay, you can only kick like 20 or 30 before you start panting and running out of energy. And then they're just going to like tackle you and jump on top of you. They're duck-sized horses. I mean, you know, they have here's teeth. the other thing. They're, they're horses. They're going to stampede. I guarantee you like two or three or four of them are going to die like being trampled in that stampede, right? They're going to kill each other Maybe. for sure. Yeah, they... Maybe. You know, there's a really funny game. Um, God, I forgot what it was called. It's called like uh, Ultimate Fight Simulator or something. But you basically like lay out, you know, these hypothetical scenarios. Like, right. I want one zombie versus like a thousand chickens or something. Mm-hmm. Just goofy scenarios like this. I think I've seen that game. Yeah, I love that yeah. game. I, I have a question. Uh, do you distract the horse-sized duck with like a loaf of bread? Yeah, whatever you can find. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me let me get see. a giant stick, stick in its beak as it tries to bite you. <laughs> Well, let me sweeten the pot then, uh, Chris, because I think you and I are, are very similar on this issue. If I give you a like a machete or some kind of like like melee weapon with going into fighting the uh, horse-sized duck, would you choose that instead, or would you still go for the horses? I think it changes things. It evens the playing field. I think it because I, does. taking on a a, a ducks or a horse-sized duck by like with your bare hands would be terrifying. Like getting that close and like its beak would definitely like hurt immediately. But I think if you gave yourself some range with a weapon, we could inflict some more damage, wound it easier. Uh, yeah. Maybe I, say- I, I still think the, I mean, ducks are pretty big. I mean, a hundred of those little horses, and then if you, I think if you get tripped up fighting the horses, that's your downfall. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. You have to have like good footing. But I just think I've been attacked by a goose once in my life, 
and it was one goose and they're tiny and it was fucking terrifying when they open their mouths and they don't make like they don't like make a sound they just fucking hiss at you and they go like it's it's the scariest (laughs) shit ever and like i'm just thinking about a horse-sized one (laughs) doing that it's also the length of time you spend fighting them so i feel like the uh the one uh, horse-sized duck is going to be a lot faster to take down than a hundred duck-sized horses. Yeah, but I, there's also way more chance of you dying. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, some you lose some. The, the timing doesn't <laughs> you know matter. Saying? I want to come out of it alive. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it takes, as long as I'm not dead. <laughs> I feel like I, I also feel like you could pick up as graphic as this is for this podcast. You could like choke out those horses pretty easily. Yeah, you could crush their little horse spines just like stepping on them. I was talking about like choking them, but let's move. Let's move on. <laughs> I was you just like crunch them. It's fine. You ever see that uh, Weird Al video, the Weasel Stomping Day one? Yeah. What are they like? Fall leaves. <laughs> yeah. Go out of your way I, to step on on the sidewalk. I will say we're getting real graphic with it, but there was uh, the one of the cats outside got a got a mouse and killed it, or a vole. And it was outside, and I went outside, like checked the mail or something barefoot, and I stepped on his body, <laughs> like it crunched and squished oh, all the guts. Oh god! At least it was it was it dried out a little bit, or was it still like it was pretty fresh? Oh, it was pretty fresh! Yeah. Oh boy, it just exploded. Yep. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> I be threw those shoes away. I was barefoot. Oh, oh god! Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like oh. A, went and took a shower. All right. Well, now let's talk about the holiday questions. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Which which reindeer do you identify with the most? I don't know. I feel like there's two groups. I can't even name all of them. <laughs> so there's 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 Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Cupid. Vixen. Cupid, Comet, Blitzen. Yeah, yeah Don, Donner, Cupid, oh. Comet, Blitzen, and then Rudolph. Donner Rudolph. sounds like Connor. That's what I said earlier, too. <laughs> I think there's two groups. There's like the main, like the the standard eight, and then there's Rudolph. So how conceited are you? Yeah, I think you're gonna question, Rudolph. This question is how much self esteem do you have? <laughs> I would probably say, the one pulling the least amount of weight on the sleigh. <laughs> is that because you like being whipped, Joey? Uh, <laughs> sure. Let's go with that. Uh, I'm gonna go Rudolph because I'm the star of the show. All right, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna I'm gonna go the one that died and then was replaced by the the main ones. <laughs> the was, other... he, was he roadkill? Yeah. <laughs> the reindeer who's just in the North Pole. He's not part of Santa's sleigh at all. He's just kind of there. He broke his Christmas ankle landing on, on a landing on a roof, and Santa had to take him out back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You had to do like we would do with those fucking tiny horses. <laughs> What's your favorite holiday drink? <laughs> You're so wholesome. We're like, <laughs> um, oh, eggnog and eggnog oh. and anything. Eggnog is gross. What? No, I'm with you. Eggnog, eggnog is, is disgusting. <laughs> okay, what, what kind of eggnog have you had, Chris? I don't know the the one with the eggnog and the rum and. Wait, Joey, you don't like it either. No, no, no! I love eggnog. I was gonna oh, say, um, you two on the Evan Williams, page. Evan Williams eggnog. Oh hell yeah! Hashtag not sponsored. Is that the the one with the green 
label on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. That's the one they have now. And I, that's the one they don't like. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, thanks, Chris. You just lost our sponsorship. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, sorry, Evan Williams. <laughs> no, I love it. I'll drink some of it right now. <laughs> really, I, I actually thought for some reason in my head, I thought you did like it. Like I, I remember you drinking it, but maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering. I don't think I've ever drank it with you. It's kind of. I've, just like, I've had it like twice in my life. I hate it that much. It's like a cinnamony milkshake. I don't really know what's to hate about it. You grind some nutmeg on top of it. Yeah, delicious. What are some other holiday drinks though? Uh, I did uh, like a week ago, or whenever we were doing Christmas decorations. I did uh, Christmas margaritas, which I sent to Connor's. Like, uh, it's like a margarita, but you throw some like coconut dream in it, and mm. uh, I put a cherry in mine, which sweetened it up a little bit, and some sugar on the outside. Uh, I think you can also do uh, like apple cider and rum or whiskey mm-hmm. and cinnamon, stuff like that. That's more like Thanksgiving in my opinion. But Yeah, there's really it's, – it's kind of just anything fruity you can kind of throw out there and it'll be fine. I don't really know – besides eggnog, I don't really know of anything like specific that people do. Not really uh, holiday-specific, but um, hot chocolate with a bunch of whipped cream. Always pretty good. Maybe oh, yeah. some Kahlua. Yeah. Yeah, Kahlua, uh, the Bailey's uh, Irish cream or whatever. That's always good with the hot chocolate. I was going to say, you could spike a hot chocolate and be pretty good. I think that would probably be pretty close. Yeah. We did that one year in Radford. Remember that? We had like that uh, that crazy fort that we made. It sounds like we're five years old. We were in college. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we had like that, uh, that whole day where we did that and we all watched movies and shit. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that would probably be my either eggnog or like that type of uh, hot chocolate for sure. Um, should I should I do the the joke question, Chris? <laughs> the one underneath that. Absolutely. All right. I don't know which one you're talking about, but I'm talking about the how much shit one. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> you want to do that? Okay. All it says. Thanks, Dave, for this. By the way, it says how much shit would a dipshit dip if a dipshit could dip shit. <laughs> Well, you know, the, the the image is like somebody with like a mental like disability packing like poop into their lip, like packing a fat lip of poop. <laughs> I guess there's only the limit of how far your lip can stretch. Yeah. How much? Let me reread this. How much shit would a dipshit dip if a dipshit could dip shit? Yeah, I'm guessing just as much as tobacco. Depends on how much you like poop, I guess. <laughs> the limit does not exist. <laughs> if you eat poop, you're in luck. We don't take a lot of stances here on Split Screen Media, but I can say <laughs> firmly I'm against eating poop. I'm not afraid to say it. Yeah, I don't so think, brief. I, I do not dip poop. No, so I, brief. I don't dip poop. <laughs> <laughs> we may talk about the Mandalorian 40 minutes more than we're supposed to, but we do not dip poop. Uh, okay. This, this is where we sort of get out of the, uh, um, holiday questions, but, uh, it's what type of bender do you guys think that you are? So this is an avatar themed, you know, you can can make up your own as well. Can I tell you what I initially thought it was? Yeah, go for it. (laughs) I thought it was like a drug bender, (laughs) (laughs) like an alcohol or drug bender. And I was like, Hmm, 
I like to. But mix, we won't. We won't go there on this. I like to mix family the friendly with the cocaine. <laughs> We're not going to go there on this on this family friendly holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I always I really liked Airbenders when I was a kid. That was my favorite. Uh, so I think I'd probably do. I've always wanted to like. I think if I had a superpower, like it would either be flying or super speed. So I'd probably get water. It's fair. I um I, I really like air as well. And I feel like I I want to be an airbender, but I feel like I'm more of an earthbender. Like I'm more like, you know, meshes with my personality and shit. Yeah, but you, I feel like you could definitely, you look the part more for an airbender because you're like, you know, you're nice and skinny. You could get up there in the air. I look like a chunky earthbender. Like I got, like I got solid mass, you know? <laughs> Earthbending is cool shit though. It is. They're all cool. They're all cool. One of those would be awesome. They are all very cool. I just, I don't want to be the firebender from the M. Night Shyamalan movie where you can't actually create fire. They have to carry <laughs> fire with them. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> So yeah, really any of those would be awesome. Um, this one, I, I have an answer for this. I, I was sort of part of it, but not really. I was kind of on the sideline. But it can really be anything you guys want. So what is the best prank that you've ever pulled? Hmm. Which uh, what, what was the one that you were on the sideline of? Um, yeah, okay, I can tell you. Uh, so I was in high school. I think I might have told you guys this before, um, but it's like it's one of my favorite stories. We had this uh, Spanish teacher. I won't. I won't say a name. Uh, well, we'll call her Mrs. Johnson for this. Uh, oh, the Spanish story. teacher, Miss Johnson. <laughs> yeah, the Spanish <laughs> teacher, Mrs. Johnson. <laughs> Everyone's favorite Spanish teacher. Um, and she was like, she was sort of towards the end of her teaching career, and she was a little bit insane. Like she kind of, she like yelled at the students a lot, and you know, high school kids are mean. So if you're, if you're like a bad teacher and you're insane, kids are going to mess with you. Like, that's just how it is. You have to have a little bit of self-awareness, but we did all kinds of pranks to her. But one of my all time favorite pranks, it was actually right before winter break. So holiday themed, but my friend will, will also call him Johnson. <laughs> I don't want to incriminate anybody. Johnson and Johnson. Johnson and Johnson. So Johnson was messing with Johnson. Uh, my, we'll call him Steve. My buddy Steve uh, had his phone and he was like, all right, I'm going to put this. She really hated like any sort of noise in the class, particularly like phones and stuff. So he put um, his phone in the ceiling and he set his alarm for every five minutes. So <laughs> and he turned the volume all the way up. So we kind of did reconnaissance, reconnaissance. Like we looked out of the classroom. We were making sure that uh, Mrs. Johnson wasn't there or whatever. And uh, he put it up in the ceiling. She came back. And the phone, like, class starts five minutes in, it goes off once. And she starts out, like, she was trying to be nice because a lot of kids had reported her over the whole semester for just being kind of horrible. And she was like, okay, it's time to put the phone away, blah, blah, blah. And then by, like, the seventh time it went off, she, she was like, where's the fucking phone? And she's, like, ripping through backpacks. <laughs> just, like, trying to find this phone. And <laughs> no idea what you're talking. Like we all pretended that we didn't hear it. This was in public school, right? <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't actually. Okay, um, but so there's, so there's no difference in education. No, not at all. <laughs> it's all the same. It's just more money. Uh, <laughs> but that that I think was just it was one of the most enjoyable pranks. Um, 
Because, man, like, I, I, part of me, you know, as you get older, you feel sort of bad for stuff like that. Like, you're like, oh, what a, you know, we were all pretty horrible kids. Even though I wasn't directly responsible for any of it, you're just like, oh, that was shitty. But at the same time, God damn, it still makes me laugh. <laughs> I think there's a lot of pranks on, on teachers that, looking back, I was a dick, but <laughs> yeah, they're still funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. There was another thing, too. She hated uh, the mention of the movie Selena which is like about the singer Selena with um, Jennifer Lopez. We, we watched it in Spanish one and then she got really upset that we kept bringing it up in Spanish three. She's like, we already watched it. You're not watching Selena. So at Christmas, uh, oh, I said, I said, I mean, Steve. <laughs> bleep it out. We'll bleep it out. Great cover. <laughs> we'll bleep it out. Yeah, I'll bleep it out. It's fine. Um, so Steve gave Jimmy... <laughs> It's really hard to come up with fake names. My friend gave my other friend a copy of the movie. And he was like, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, just wait and see. And they wrapped it. And in the middle of class, uh, he was like, hey, my friend got me this thing. Let's see what it is. And he opens it up while he's standing up. And he's like, oh, my God, it's Selena. And he, like, showed her. And he was so excited. And she, like, lost her shit. Like, she didn't yell, but, like, she just started twitching. <laughs> like, like, we broke her. Oh, my God. It was so good. <laughs> oh, still funny. Do you, guys, yeah. do you guys, like, partake in any sort of teacher pranks like that, or do you have pranks that you pulled on somebody else? I pull... I, oh, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, I pull pranks on, like, Hannah's family a lot. Uh, when we first started dating, I convinced, I think everyone in her family, her mom, brother, sister, sister's boyfriend, that I couldn't swim. And it's maybe not the best, but it went on for such a long time. <laughs> and we kept it up. Like, I never would swim in front of them. Uh, I, I, like, was full, fully committed to it. I started to believe I almost couldn't swim. <laughs> but then I had, to, I had to come clean because her mom was going to buy me, like, a really expensive life jacket <laughs> or something. And I was like, no, I feel bad if you start to spend money. But it went on for, like, months from, like, when we first started dating for, like, I don't know, a year or something. I thought you were going to say you pretended to fall in the pool or something. <laughs> oh, I should I should have. I, I think there was, like, maybe help, some talks of that. Because they were planning, they were planning some swimming or boating or something like that, and that's where like I was really gonna like play it up. But then she was like, "Oh, before we do that, we gotta buy Chris a life jacket." And I was like, oh, "Fuck." <laughs> Joey, what about you? So I um I don't pull too many uh practical jokes or pranks. Um, I did one I was very proud of. Uh, at work, and uh, this is a uh, a coworker story, but it's not like a bad one or anything. It's just like um, so we went off to a meeting, and um, actually let me back up. So um, we had music on, and we have a a little room where we work. Um, not anymore, obviously, but because uh, of COVID. But we had a uh, I had music going on, and I left to go do something. I forgot what, and I came back, and my phone was playing. Um, Never gonna give you up. Rick Astley. And he was like, you trolled me. You rickrolled me while you were gone. How did you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. So that day, he left for a meeting. So I went to print off a couple of Rick Astley uh, pictures, like just, you know, on paper. And I hid them 
like in various places throughout the room and and you know a couple of his uh i guess office supplies and desk stuff and um every time you would find one i'd be like uh yeah there's more there's more than that keep looking and i think i had about six and uh it took him like i think a week to find all of them nice after he found all of them did you say hey there's still some more <laughs> i didn't i wasn't that mean <laughs> he's tearing the office apart trying to yeah, find just like ah. <laughs> you come the last the carpets are up there's yeah, so after seven <laughs> afterwards we uh hung all of them up on the wall and uh yeah people would we would give us we'd get uh pretty strange looks from people it's like why do you have so many rick astley's on your wall why don't you have that many rick astley's on your wall it's a very good question he's a phenomenal artist <laughs> those are all really good <laughs> oh shit all right well i think this is the last question but i'd love to maybe come up with one for each of us on the fly after this if you guys can think of any um but the last question here, and I think we're going to be pretty unanimous with this, is strawberry cream cheese better than regular for an everything bagel? Uh, the answer is fucking no, you heathen. That's disgusting. <laughs> on a regular, on an everything bagel. Specifically on regular. an everything bagel. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah. Regular. No. no, if you have a regular bagel with strawberry cream cheese, that's fine. Yeah. But no, on an, with the onion and the poppy seeds. And yeah, the, like, no. No, that's... So here's a retort. How about, um, let's say, a blueberry bagel with strawberry cream cheese? Do you mix the flavors? Yeah, because I, I, they have like blueberry, strawberry, yogurt, which is pretty good. I think it's fun. Yeah. I think it depends on the flavors you're mixing. Blueberry and strawberry don't go together for me as well. I don't, eat stra- I don't usually eat flavored cream cheese a lot, though. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've only had it a couple times in my life, but yeah, like mixed berry yogurt is basically blueberries and strawberries. <clears throat> That's true. So I think I think there's a very like the the like fake strawberry flavor though mixed with like blueberry flavor. It's not something I'm a big fan of. Yeah. To to lend an olive branch to this viewer, uh, you can definitely have strawberry cream cheese on bagels, and it is delicious in my opinion. But specifically, it was everything bagel that was brought up, and no. No, that's gross. <laughs> I, I do want to mention the my favorite bagel I've ever had was when I was in uh, New York, and I got it was an everything bagel with regular cream cheese as it should be, <laughs> but it also had uh, locks, capers, and tomato on it, and it was fucking delicious. Yeah, you sent me that. That looks so good. So yeah, I think well that's the end of the questions. Do you guys want to try and do like like we're talking like maybe an improv one where we just throw one out for everybody? Sure. Do you have you didn't prepare? Cuz got one. <laughs> oh no, I didn't prepare anybody at all. I just <laughs> do, do you have one prepared, Cotton? Um no. <laughs> no, you know what actually I do. Um we weren't really able to see a lot of stuff this year obviously cuz movie theaters were closed down and uh, you know, with COVID, but and it doesn't even need to necessarily be a movie that came out this year, but what was your favorite movie that you just saw this year so far? Hmm. God, now I'm thinking back to what I've seen this year. Um, uh, I think I have maybe two. 
Okay. Yeah, I can't more than one. I think they I think I watched both of these this year. Uh Knives Out and so like Bad Times at the El Royale or something like that. Okay. Uh I also saw Knives Out this year. Um I don't think that was my favorite uh that I've seen. Um I haven't watched a lot of movies this year. Yeah. I'm s- slowly getting back into it, but Oh man. Um Connor, do you know off the top of your head when Parasite came out? Oh, that was mine. <laughs> was that 2019 or 2020? It was 2019, but I saw it in 2020. I saw it like very early 2020. For um, for lack of remembering when I saw it, I'm going to say Parasite. Yeah. Par- for anyone who hasn't seen Parasite, fucking watch it immediately. <laughs> it's so good. I did. I will say I did just watch Tenet, uh, and that was very good. Yeah. Tenet is awesome. I would probably put that in like my top five for the year for sure. That's like number one most recent. I mean, Mulan and Fat Man are, you know, very close contenders to to Tenant, but <laughs> yeah, for the whole year, it's, man, this year has felt like ten years. <laughs> it really has. Yeah, oh my God, it's gone on so long. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think mine would mine would definitely be Parasite, Tenant, um, Invisible Man was the last movie I saw in theaters, and it was actually really good, um, like surprisingly good. But uh. But yeah, I think I think that would be it for me. And again, not much new. They didn't really release too much new stuff. But uh, I'm sorry. Did I put you guys on the spot for the question thing? We don't have to go all the way around. <laughs> I think no, I, I I got one. I have one. Um, okay. I'll I'll keep this. I'll have to change the question. I I don't know why I was watching this, but I saw an interview that Larry King was doing with um, Abed from Community. I don't know the actor's name. Uh, but he asked him, like, what's the one, like, luxury you could live without? And it was kind of a crazy interview because he was saying, like, um, like a hot cup of coffee or, like, sock, like cozy socks or something. And Larry King's like, those aren't luxuries. And he goes, well, give me an example. And Larry King goes, a private airplane. <laughs> and I, I forget what... what the other guy's response was which was like really funny he's just like so out of touch yeah but you know as far as you know average american what what is a luxury that you can't really live without average american my my phone does so much shit for me that i think it might be that like it's you know if it's how i wake up it's how i stay in touch with people it's you know how i keep any sort of schedule um like when I there there have been times when it's broken and I've literally just like I don't know what to do with myself, <laughs> which is probably a problem. But uh, yeah, I would say phone definitely. Is yeah. this an item in particular, or can I say the internet? You can say the internet. I'll say the internet because yeah. like that's I'm I'm at home every day, so I can access stuff you know without a phone. But like without the internet, I'm kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah, for everything. Going. Can I say I don't know if this counts as a luxury, but can I say electricity? Just because whenever, I, I whenever think, the electricity goes out, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. So that raises an interesting question because I don't really think the internet is fair to classify as a luxury in today's day and age. Yeah, it's um, more of a utility. Yeah, yeah it really is. Um, electricity, though, I think for sure is a utility as well. Yeah. yeah. In this Connor, country, definitely. I think uh, I think maybe your question, your answer could maybe be reflected as like a smartphone 
rather than just like a normal cell phone. Although yeah. they're kind of one and the same now, but yeah, there's not really, there's only like five people in the world that have flip phones now, but, but I would agree. Well, that's, like, that's not true. I mean, if you don't have a lot of money and you have to get, you know, a burner phone or something like that. Well, a lot of the burner phones now are smartphones. They're like oh, shitty they? smartphones, but yeah, they have mm-hmm. touch screens and you can go, you can download apps and stuff. Like a lot of them still have all those capabilities because they can make that like technology shittier for so cheap. And like, you, you really don't even need to have a flip phone anymore unless how about, you're more comfortable. How about like one of the newer, nicer smartphones? Um, yeah, I would definitely. Yeah. We'll say like, we'll say like iPhone eight up and then whatever the android equivalent is up <laughs> yeah i would have to go probably smartphone or computer i think i'm just so surrounded by technology i mean we're doing this on my computer and technology so right yeah i mean i could live without this podcast <laughs> just kidding and that's our big news guys we're canceling the podcast uh <laughs> This is the last episode. Well, we had a good we, run. We made it 10 episodes in. <laughs> That's all you need. It's our last two raw. Um, Joey, did you have a question? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, crap, I had it. Oh, no. What was it? Oh, I was distracted. I should have written it down. Um, oh, God. Coke or okay. Pepsi? Coke or Coke. Pepsi? Coke. Oh, oh Pepsi. God. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm actually blanking completely, guys. Um, okay, so I'll default back to something else I had, and then I'll probably remember it halfway through. Okay. But it's more lighthearted, so maybe you'll enjoy it. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? This is a good one. This is the one I almost asked. It's a really good one. Um, yes, it's a sandwich. It's an open-faced sausage sandwich. I've had this debate a lot. <laughs> yeah, I because the problem the problem with the name hot dog is that it doesn't mention the buns. Like you can't just say I'm having turkey and people assume it's a turkey sandwich. Like, but if you say hot dog, people assume it's with the buns. So that's what kind of makes it interesting to me and maybe not a sandwich, just because it's almost its own classification. You ever been poor? Put that hot dog on a piece of great, great value white bread. Boy, have I. <laughs> it's, it's an open face sausage sandwich for sure. I'm definitely I, more in your camp. I'm just trying to play like devil's advocate because I think you, the people who say it's not, I definitely like understand where they're coming from. I, I frequently find myself on the uh, opposite side of this, Chris. Yeah. Um, where if I order a hot dog and, or sorry, if I order a sandwich, and I get a hot dog, I'm going to be like, that's not what I asked for. Even if it's like the same ingredient composition, if for some reason I'm eating, you know, little, you know, hot dogs between two, lo- you know, slices of bread, and I get that as opposed to a hot dog, then I'm going to be upset, right? Yeah. Do you call it a sandwich if you use two pieces of bread instead? Like you, I think, let's look at, you know what, we'll do the, like the esports thing. We'll look at the definition of a sandwich. Yeah. No, yep. bring it up. That's fair. Can you share so it? I, I always see it as a, um, like you can have a sub sandwich as basically one slice of bread, just, you know, cutting kind of uh, halfway, more than halfway through, right? And then you have hot dogs, which is kind of similar. So I think a hot dog is a sub sandwich. I don't think it's a sandwich. I think it's a sub sandwich. I think I'm wrong, according to Oxford languages. 
What a sandwich is an item of food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese. I don't believe. What about an open face sandwich? Open face sandwich is just another subsect of sandwich. So, but it can't be according to this definition. You have to have two pieces of bread. So is it? So let me go, Merriam-Webster. The bread being conjoined is really the deciding factor of it not being a sandwich. Because like you were saying, a Subway sandwich... Well, no, because a Subway sandwich is connected, isn't it? They just cut it in the it middle. Mm-hmm. They so cut it in the middle, it's but it's still a hot connected. dog. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, you know what? I've been flipped. I, or maybe not even flipped, but that confirms it for me. It's definitely a sandwich. Mm. Oh, Merriam-Webster. Two or more slices of bread or a split roll having a filling in between. Oh, that's a, that's a sandwich. A filling in between. <laughs> that is definition A. Definition B, uh, which is, I guess, a second, but still in the same definition. One slice of bread covered with food. Example, have an open-faced sandwich with one slice of bread instead of two, mustard instead of butter, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, that fits hot dog perfectly. So according to Merriam-Webster, it is a sandwich. It's weird that we don't call it a hot dog sandwich, though, because a hot dog is the, the meat. Do you call yeah. like a hero sub a hero sandwich? I I guess well the only time I really get like if I went to Subway I'd be like hey can I get a I guess I'd just say sandwich I'm like hey can I get a sandwich? Yeah, I definitely call them sandwiches when I go to Subway. Yeah, same at Firehouse. Well, Firehouse subs, but submarine sandwich. Yeah, it is a submarine sandwich. Yeah, it's just a different. It's like the Kingdom Phylum class yeah. thing. Like it just and, it's, it's and, down you know, <laughs> hoagies yeah. are just another sandwich yeah mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah i think we solved it guys yeah, yeah. We, we cherry picked a definition the age-old debate <laughs> finally put to rest chris i am so curious what time are we at <laughs> uh oh, two hours and five minutes oh, two man. hours and five minutes wow well we did say it was a special um yeah i think uh double our normal runtime is probably a good place to stop <laughs> yeah this is a good place to stop <laughs> A um, few things I want to mention beforehand. Uh, <clears throat> the contest I mentioned at the beginning, uh, we brought that up on our last episode, which for you guys is going to be episode nine. It's the cyberpunk episode. And you can go in the description and clink, uh, clink, click the timestamp below. Uh, I think it's around like the 50-minute mark or so. And you'll be able to see a jar of M&Ms, of uh, peanut M&Ms that Chris has. And we did a little contest to see who can guess it correctly. Um, so far, we only have one guess in. Uh, and we'd love to see um, it's gone down a bunch of yeah we we can't do it now because Chris ate a bunch of them. It's <laughs> <laughs> like almost empty. <laughs> I'll do have... it every every week until it's it's completely gone. But... <laughs> it's actually a good idea, but yeah, for last week it was a certain amount. Um, so we're gonna go off of that number instead of where it's at now. And we already counted, so we already know. Um, yeah. But yeah, submit, so definitely submit your uh, answers either on that episode. We'll check that episode's comments or this one um send us an email facebook however you guys want to do it we'll read them all um you know they all come through us uh so yeah and if you if you guys win whoever gets closest gets a t-shirt um so we're going to be making some merch here uh pretty limited merch it'll be one (laughs) but you know eventually we might do some more Uh, who knows what 2021 uh has in store for split screen media but the second thing i want to mention is just like a, a general thank you um we really appreciate you guys sticking with us, uh, watching the podcast, uh, hopefully enjoying the content. We hope that we've gotten better as at podcasting over the course of these 10 episodes. Um, it really has been a treat to like bring you guys this every single week. 
Uh, and uh, yeah, we really look forward to 2021. I think we got a couple things in store that you guys are really going to like. Um, yeah, Chris, do you want to say anything before we close out the, uh, well, we got one more episode coming this year, but yeah. And the, 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 the shirts and merchandise and stuff is probably going to happen after the new year. We're not working on that anymore with the holidays and stuff here. We're going to enjoy it as should everybody else enjoy it. Even though it's been a hard year, you know, hopefully people can find happiness, you know, the next couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, thank you for watching, making it through 10 episodes with us. It's crazy. Uh, but Hopefully we can get 10 more and then 10 more again. <laughs> uh, if you like it, you know, like the video, comment about the M&Ms. Seriously, there's like one person who's commented. <laughs> so uh, by default, he's the winner right now. <laughs> and he's not even close. No, we don't know. We don't know. He could be we, close. Well, we know, but. We know. No, you guys don't know. He yeah. could be close. He could be very far off. Um, and I'd also like to thank Joey for being on. You are the the guest we've had on the most, um, our favorite guest. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. wait, no, please going. Keep going, please. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to, um, I don't know if you have anything you want to plug or anything or just talk about, but. <laughs> uh, I want to plug the Mandalorian. No. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. This was really fun. Um, I love doing these long form discussion videos and uh, I guess podcasts. Um, I love being a guest on the show and I can't wait to see what you guys do in 2021. And um, other than that, thank you guys for listening and I hope you have a happy holiday. Before, wait, quick before I go, Connor, you mentioned before the podcast when we were prepping that we should all recommend something for our viewers before we go each week. Yes. I want, this is just a, a real quick segment I want to do um, before we end. I probably should have done that before, <laughs> but I forgot. Um, so yeah, just in for anyone, you know, who's going to watch us going forward. We'll be doing this every single week. It'll be a quick little thing where we're going to recommend literally anything. It doesn't have to be media related. It can just be something that you enjoy. Um, for me, it is media related, but uh, you know, for everybody else, it can be whatever you want. So my recommendation for this week is Tenet. I just saw it uh, last week. I thought it was awesome. Um, it has some, some Christopher Nolan stuff, general stuff in it that I don't love. <laughs> um, that's in a lot of his movies, but, man if he isn't one of the best filmmakers out right now and that film is just you know uh, a monument to his greatness i think it, it's just another step in you know solidifying him as one of the great directors so tenant check it out i also recommend tenant but I, I back up your recommendation it's not what i'm actually recommending gotcha. uh i recommend zach fox's two new songs that dropped <laughs> uh it's uh marinate and ih to lyn or something like that look them up zach fox uh it's not safe for work music but it's hilarious and the beat on marinate is amazing i like marinate a lot of those really did good you, did you listen to them i did yeah, yeah yeah and mine is going to be not media related um but alcohol related and i feel like i've talked a lot about alcohol tonight anyway but uh, my recommendation is aldi wine if you guys have not had a uh, winking owl it is $3 a bottle for like literally any kind of wine you can imagine. Sangria, um, Shiraz, Cabernet, Merlot. Real cheap, real good, tastes just as good as regular stuff. They pay like $10 or $15 for it. Aldi wine, $3. Go buy some. That's a good deal. So Aldi the store, correct? Yep. Okay, cool. Aldi's is awesome. 289 I love it. Wow.
All right. Well, thank you guys for being here for 2020. We'll see you in 2021. We're going to have a lot more in store. Um, honestly, too, and this is something we've never really talked about, but if anyone has an interest in being a guest on this show, um, let us know. We'd, we'd love to have really anybody on. You know, if you have a topic that you want to discuss or you're passionate about, you know, the things that we talk about here on the show, even if it's not media related, like, you know, shoot us an email, shoot us a Facebook, uh, let us know. Chris already said, uh, like, and subscribe if you guys enjoy, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see you next year. Hopefully it's better and not as shitty. We'll see you on the first day of 2021. First day of 2021. Already starting off on a good note. Absolutely. <laughs> Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.